This is Jonathan Hickman, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Another episode. There we go. Baffles me because I didn't think that was any good. It's not your job to think. You're the talent. That's your right. I know. <laughs> I, know. I never. Good I never do. Well, I start now. Same. At work, we have a whiteboard that was filled with delayed job orders when I got there. And being who I am, I consumed them, got them out, and now that whiteboard has nothing on it and hasn't had anything on it for weeks, months even. So at least until we got back from lockdown. So what I did was I wrote think in big black letters on, mm. on the whiteboard because sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm just too much in a hurry to get things done that I don't take that breather and think about what I'm doing. I just do it. And more often than not, it works, but there's sometimes where I waste a little bit of materials because... I don't think, and I, I, I'm too hasty. So I, I just wrote, real big, think. And the boss goes, what's that? I said, I wrote that. And he goes, hmm. I, it didn't result in an increase of pay, but I got a hmm, which is okay by me. Okay. Wow. Thud. No, I, I, <laughs> no, I, hey, I. Dropping, dropping de- deep, deepness on us at the start here. Yeah, it's what I do. I have to to rejigger my whole mindset now. You got me thinking. Right. Well, this is good. I like to get people thinking, and I like to get people listening, because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode, what the hell is it, 689. Wow. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. That's true. And, of course, I am the best player in the bubble, Devin Booker. Okay. (laughs) You're not... Devin Booker. <laughs> I wish I was right now. You're Jason Wu. Falling out. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the guy that got the $74 million? No, that's George Kittle. It's an entirely different sport. Oh. <laughs> what the hell, man? Yeah, wow. Booker is the best player on my favorite team, the Phoenix Suns. And so the football. Suns were the, the worst team in the bubble, going into the bubble, and they're undefeated and uh, making a improbable push for a uh, playoff spot. What is this bubble? The NBA and the National Hockey League are both in bubbles. They're basically in self-contained uh, little pocket universes right now where nobody can leave uh, so they can assure that, that nobody gets a COVID while they play. Wow, it's like the time trapper. Absolutely. <laughs> Look at that. One hey. of the players, uh, a guy named Lou Williams, left to go to a funeral, but he also happened to stop at a strip club. <laughs> of course. Those wings. Yeah. He had to get those wings, he said. Of, of course. <laughs> and the best was... So, of course, most people were like, that's so dumb. And then it was great. There was a couple former NBA players, Tracy McGrady being one of them, Hall of Famer. And he was just being like, y'all just you need to check yourselves because you're just assuming that he went to the strip club to get a lap dance. You don't know. Strip clubs have good food, man. Dude just was hungry. You wouldn't have been mad if you went to White Castle. And I'm like, no, they would have been mad if you went to White Castle. Like, he's not supposed to go anywhere. It's a bubble. (laughs) But, yes, I'm sure he went there for the wings. Wow. But you are not. I forgot the name, so I'll just Devin make one Booker. up. Tony Bubble. You are Jason <laughs> Wood, everybody. Bob Cowboy. Yes, and I hear another voice in the mix. Jason, tell us who it is. Yes, you do. So back in April, um, the entire comics industry put together a 
uh, online event raising funds and uh, uh, lots of creators were offering art and uh, you know different things and uh, we humbly threw our hat in the ring and uh, auctioned off a, uh, a a spot on the show uh, where the proceeds went to the Bink Foundation, which is a foundation that's dedicated to helping uh, book workers and uh, in comic industry workers who need financial help. Uh, and this gentleman who has been a member of the EOC family for a long ass time, so much so, in fact, that uh, his Twitter icon is uh, mysteriously unfathomable. Um, he was the high bidder, and it was very humbling that he uh, thought enough of us and wanting to join us to uh, give the very generous donation that he gave. So let's all give a big, hearty welcome and a round of applause through the internets for our fourth chair guest tonight, Mr. Jeff Bouchard. Hey, everyone. All right. Welcome. Yay. Welcome aboard, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, so uh, again, we know you on the internets, but why don't you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, or whatever, your, your, your secret origin. <laughs> All right. Um, so I live in beautiful Western Mass, uh, mm-hmm. right outside of Springfield. I'm a data privacy attorney, and uh, by day, and uh, comics reader and dad by night. Uh, I have uh, two beautiful young girls, twelve and eight. Uh, a couple of pups that keep me busy, and uh, yeah, I just I, I love fantasy football. Uh, I'm a My long man. time. Mm-hmm. Long-time football guy, subscriber, whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I've been listening since the the bullpen bulletin days, and yes. uh, you know was an active member of the the forums back in the day, and yep. uh, you know just uh, yeah chugging along and and keeping up with the podcast and all the content you guys have been putting out, and wanted to try to contribute when everything started going down any way that I could. So uh, I was glad that I was able to, to do some small part and, and help out. Nice. Bye. nice. We all appreciate it. I'm, I'm curious, were there any other um, items that you bid on during the charity-driven event? Not items that I bid on, but I did buy some commissions from artists. So There we go. There we go. Boy. Boy. I, da- I dabble in OA, not not like Jason, but uh, <laughs> nobody like Jason. Felix doesn't buy as much as Jason. Exactly. Does. I mean, you know, the only other person who dabbles a little bit more might be someone who just <laughs> hoards it and sells it for a living. Right. The crazy thing is, all I mean, all kidding aside, is you guys know there are people that make me look like I'm uh, a, a, like I've never bought a piece. Yeah, of but art. you can name both of those guys, so it's okay. <laughs> shout out to Alberto Morales. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all got to stop talking because I got a segue. And what Jeff didn't tell you is he gets his oh. books from DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Get your books getting fast, getting delivered right to your door for a mere fraction, a pittance of what everybody else is paying. I have uh, a number of specials here. Some of them may be surprising to you if you have uh, been a longtime listener. I rarely spotlight Marvel because they don't need the push. There's a lot of eyes on Marvel. But I believe this book is very much worthy of the uh, the shove. Uh, it is written by Jason Aaron with art by the amazing Mahmoud Asrar. God bless you, Mahmoud. Um, yes. It's Conan the Barbarian. Volume 1 contains the first 12 issues of Aaron and Asrar's run. It is a $34.99 hardcover, which is a pretty good deal for 12 issues of a Marvel book, right? 
but you are not going to pay that. You're going to pay half that, $17.49. It's a great deal. Great story, great art. I'm hoping the text pieces are in there, but if not, I will be happy nonetheless. Number two, from Image, it's Scumbag, number one, written by Rick Remender, with art on this first issue by Louis LaRosa, and it's going to be a roundtable uh, book. Uh, subsequent issues will feature the art of Andrew Robinson, Eric Powell, Tula Lote, Wes Craig, Roland Bashi, Simone DeMeo, Marguerite Savage, Duncan Fregredo, Yannick Paquette, Mike McCone, Dave Johnson, and Moreno Denicio. I love this plan where every issue is, is illustrated by a different person. I think that's awesome. It gives a nice little shared universe feel to it when you get a different viewpoint for every issue. Visual viewpoint, anyway. Uh, but whatever. three ninety nine cover price. Your price. What is it? Tell them. $2. $1.99. One penny short of $2. And last, but uh, absolutely never in our hearts, it's Daniel Warren Johnson's take on Wonder Woman. It's the black label Wonder Woman Dead Earth hardcover collects all four issues of his visually stunning series and i say that because i haven't read it yet but i will buy <laughs> anything uh daniel warren johnson the cover price is 30 bucks not bad for a hardcover uh considering the issues were not standard standard price they were uh, black label so they were a little bit upscale you are going to pay 14 dollars 99 cents that's boys' pants, half off. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your book shipped right to the front or back door of your house. Yeah. You, it, Taco Bell's harder. Seriously, it is. Okay. DCBService.com. Yes, sir. Yeah. We have a boomerang this episode because something is returning that we threw away a long time ago. Well, not a long I'm time. I'm not thrown away, but well, we throw away. We threw hiatus. All right, right. it's been a walkabout. Break it out for the special for you, occasion. For you old school it, listeners, it's, it's been a walkabout. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. There you go. And it's 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 you know it's one of those things where because it's 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 never going to completely go away. It's special when it it makes a return, and I have to specially thank Jeff for uh, <laughs> for making this happen tonight. Yeah. So it's the EOC version of herpes then. Just when you think it goes away, it flares week. up again. It's okay. Uh, I'll go first. It's the drink roll call, in case there you haven't known. Yes. It's a, we, we, no, we should let Jeff go first because he's a Absolutely. guest, and we got to be polite. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for clarifying it's the drink roll call and not herpes. I don't <laughs> love to be associated with that. Um, yeah, so I, I, um, I like uh, to... Uh, enjoy some bourbon here and there, and I wanted to open up a special bottle for tonight. So I, because special occasion, I opened up uh, something that I had uh, gotten recently, which was Elijah Craig Single Barrel 18-Year Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. So I am sipping on that right now. Damn. What's the proof on that? It is 90 Nice. That's healthy. Right. Yeah, it's good. And yeah, delicious. That's you drink it. Nice. Uh, I'm not a bourbon guy, as you know from listening. Uh, how you just drink it straight up, a little ice, yeah. nothing. Yeah. No, not no, just neat. That's straight all. up. All right. I love neat. I, th- I think neat's the way it should be consumed. It depends. 
Yeah. Some, but, I mean, if you some, want to taste the thing you're drinking. Say again? If you want if to you actually want... taste the thing you're drinking. Yeah, but there's no... There is no wrong way. Like, like no, yes, I, I get so, the mixed. No, no, no. I know, yeah. and, and I'm not saying you, you, you would think that you know adding ice to it would 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 hurt it or like you know putting ketchup on steak. It's it's one of those things where um, once you do add ice to it and and the ice breaks down, you're it's it's you're opening it up to something else now. It's not obviously it's not it's no longer neat and 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 it's not the way it is straight from the barrel or the bottle, but um, by Adding that, uh, adding that ice. You're aside from chilling it. You're adding some complexity. So it's I. I. Uh, but it depends. I mean, something. There are some things that are really, really nice and smooth and great when they're neat, especially when it's chillier out and and you want something a little warmer. But there are some things that are a little stronger and and might need to be cut down just a smidge. But yeah, absolutely. All and the scotch rocks too to cool it down if you want. Yep. Or uh, I know some people add drops of water to change the 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 taste as well. So yeah, there's a lot of different things you can do depending on on how you want it. Interesting. Well, I am drinking. This is going to go over not well because I don't know the name of it because it doesn't have a name. Um, <laughs> it, it's an IPA that was brewed by my brother-in-law Damon. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, uh, that's basically all I got for you. It has no label because it was home brewed. It's mm-hmm. delicious. Yeah. Um, you I know can, the alcohol content. Um, enough. <laughs> because I had three of them, and I was Oof. yeah, not today, oh. and uh, I was not able to uh, to drive home from where we were. So very nice. But uh, yes, it's delicious, and um, I love them for giving it to me. I'm going to be the one designing the labels because he's confident enough to actually um, toy with the idea of selling it. So, Excellent. Yeah. It's oh, not- it would be dope if you had a beer can label. That would be sweet. Yeah. It, awesome. It's great. Thank you, Damon. Nice. Thanks, Damon. What you got, Poe? Uh, well, you know, I wanted to yin and yang it tonight. So I got the, I got the, 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 the lash and the carrot. Um, the lash is, uh, we're, we're fans of a new type of seltzer. Well, new to us, new to us. Uh, the brand is called AHA, A-H-A. And, uh, they got some pretty funky, like their whole thing is, uh, is like duos, like mashups, you know, kind of like Limp Biscuit uh, and, uh, whatever that, uh, song they did, uh, back in the day with the rap group. But this is AHA, uh, Lime Watermelon Seltzer, and it's delicious. But since it is Drink Roll Call, and we do have a special guest... I am starting off the show, uh, as I so rudely opened while Dap was trying to say woohoo, uh, a delicious uh, tall boy of Guinness Irish Stout. Nice. I find it very curious that Limp Biscuit is your go-to. For, you <laughs> no, know? I was just thinking of horrible mashups. and like. Oh, I if you're going horrible, they, okay. I knew they did a horrible mashup, but I couldn't then in the moment remember what rap group they did the song with. Yeah, I don't think anyone can. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, what are you drinking, Dad? Well, I, I I appreciate the um, the Guinness because uh, I I I walked by what was left of oh. the Quiet Man and we're one out for the Quiet Man, dude. It hurts so much. I mean, I I've had a week to 
deal with it. You're in the morning. Still, dude, I seriously, I am sitting sip, shiv over here. It's crazy. I've, I've got fucking, I've, I've got the mirrors covered. Um, I, it is. Oh my god! Shit. Yeah. <laughs> right, Tom, that's the best. Like you didn't say you were having a wake. You said you were sitting shivering with the. Well, but you know the juicing and Danny boy, but it, it's. Oh my god. No, I. It, oh. it, I've, I mean, it's, it hasn't been two years that I've been going there, and it it, it really does feel like a member of the family. I know I, I've made friends that work there. It's 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 fucking rough, but um, but yeah, I've I've had Guinness Blonde there. I've had some Guinness there, and and, and I that where they had the big ass, nice looking, um, tap for uh, for uh, the, the the pull for Guinness was right there in the corner, and and when we walked by there, I remember, yeah, that's where it used to be, but um. Because Jeff's here tonight, because he brought the roll call back, because he's having bourbon, I, um, I'm i starting off, I'm finishing off um, one of my favorites that I don't have too often, because I do try to save it. It's um, it's Michter's Small Batch uh, Unblended American Whiskey. And once I finish this, uh, our good friend, our good personal friend, listener of the show, and uh, and one of our earliest patrons, Carlo gifted me a midwinter's night's dram uh which is a blend of straight rye whiskeys um finished in french oak port barrels uh which i will be uh, from high west which i will be sipping on once this glass is uh is empty so um that's a nice bourbon yeah yeah i um I don't, it's not at my usual spot that I usually pick things up at. So I, um, when we're at down at the plaza and, and we stop into the place that usually has different wines that especially my wife likes to drink, um, cause it's not, it's not the cheapest bottle. I mean, it's not super pricey, but I don't, um, since I don't have it too often and, and, uh, I don't always have it in the house. Um, I figured tonight it was definitely worth breaking it open. Yes, sir. And, uh, we have some very, uh, breaking news to get into we do we do and we promise this is gonna be a jam-packed episode first of all we we uh we, we tried to make it inclusive so we we let uh jeff come into the writer's room and uh, throw some ideas against the wall vince uh in typical fashion destroyed most of them and said they sucked just like he does to dap and i but there were one or two that made the cut <laughs> yeah. just like uh lorne michaels you know just finished crying before the show <laughs> yeah yeah it's, vince is our lorne michaels Okay. But um, but before we get into all the goodness, uh, we did know, we figured y'all have been in asking us on the forums and whatnot about or the Facebook group about what's this going on. It's hard to at least not address it at least for a few minutes, and that is the um, you know, pr- there's no way to to couch it here. It's pretty significantly uh, crappy news coming out of DC um, from Warner Media. Uh, for those, I would imagine most of you listening are already well aware of this. It's been pretty much the talk of comics, uh, Twitter, uh, the last week. But uh, roughly a third of the editorial staff at DC Comics was laid off this week, uh, including uh, Editor-in-Chief Bob Harris, um, uh, Hank Canals, the Vice President of Marketing uh, and Creative Services, Jonah Weiland, uh, the VP of Global Publishing, Bobby Chase, their head of digital strategy and longtime editor, uh, Brian Cunningham, one of their senior editors, and uh, Mark Doyle, who, uh, as Vince mentioned, Black Label, was the uh, the, the editor and uh, chief 
brain behind the black label. Um, so, uh, and then Jim Lee, um, is, is still the CCL, but, uh, but I believe he had his publishing duties removed. Um, and then there were other cuts too, but those, are, I guess those are the headline cuts that I, that I, I took note of when they happened. Um, but like I said, it's roughly a third of the editorial staff. And then along with that, and this is probably less surprising, um, the DC universe streaming service and online service for, uh, back issue comics. Uh, they basically gutted it. They, they effectively got rid of everybody. Uh, that's, I say not as much as a surprise because now with uh, HBO max, HBO Max had already brought over uh, all of the DC Universe um, content, so it was available there. So the writing was on the wall there that there was no point in having DC Universe exist anymore as its separate thing. Uh, and then the one that probably I thought got the most um, surprise and consternation was they also uh, unfortunately completely shut down overnight um, their collectibles division, uh, DC uh, Direct. Uh, and so for people out there that collect the toys and the statues and everything, I mean, I think they've been around for over 20 years and, uh, it literally was just overnight. The, the people there that, uh, that worked there literally thought they had jobs until about midday and they were told uh, that, that the whole thing was getting shut down. So pretty big bloodbath at DC. Um, and again, that's never good. You know, our thoughts are out to, um, to, to all the people that lost their jobs. It's gotta be incredibly tough, particularly in the environment we're in at the pandemic, uh, to be out of work. So Really do hope some of these people, or really all the people, uh, get land in, in new spots pretty quickly. But uh, but I thought the reason we had to talk about it and at least exchange some thoughts is that, um, you know, I, I think it, as a news item, it is what it is. Big businesses make cuts all the time, particularly when the economy is slowing down. But I think here, because it is directly affecting DC publishing um, and and following on the heels of obviously what DC has been up to of late, um, most notably stepping away from Diamond officially and then partnering with, uh, with our friends at DCBS and, and Midtown. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about it, what, what this is all about. Is this all part of a, a grander uh, message about the direct market and about DC's place in the direct market and about periodicals and floppies in general? Uh, and I have thoughts. I'll share them. But I'm just curious what you all think. Um, why don't we – I mean – Jeff, you are an IP attorney, so you probably have some thoughts on the value of IP and all that. I, I don't know if you have any anything you wanted to say about this and your reaction to it, and if you think it portends uh, further changes. Uh, no, I, you know, I'm kind of in a wait and see. As as someone who suffered through two layoffs myself personally, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's a part of business. But that was my immediate reaction: is what does this mean? As 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 someone who reads a lot of monthly DC comics, you know, wh- what is this? projecting for the future uh you know are they sending a message or is this just kind of housekeeping i think there is also a lot of you know hbo and other types of executives that were all part of this whole thing if i'm not mistaken but yeah for specifically dc i i just uh, i'm kind of in a wait and see mode to see what what other changes are going to come down the pike yeah that's fair then stat <sighs> I, I don't know enough about the way business works to, to even guess. But um, again, I, I, I don't try and, and assume or, or uh, predict what goes on during events like this. I'm just going to take a back seat and just watch it unfold. It's unfortunate that a lot of very talented people were, uh, were cut off. Uh, I can't imagine not having the DC Direct around because – they made some of, hands down, the best figures 
yeah. in the last 20 years. And uh, I don't know what their numbers were. Uh, I know a lot of the stuff ranged from affordable to get the hell out of here. So all, all I'm doing is commenting on the quality. The quality across the board was always wonderful. And mm-hmm. um, like the, the James Groman Batman figures are incredible. Yeah. Um, all those Batman black and white statues. I mean, yeah, they're wonderful stuff. Uh, so I mean, that's going to be a gaping hole. In a lot of people have have either started those collections or are complete and waiting for the next one. And now there will be no more. So it's a it's going to be a constant reminder that uh, a very vibrant part of the collecting industry is is no more. And that in itself is is uh, downbeat. But let's remember there were people some of which we know, attached to that entity. And there's people at the editorial offices and the publishing of, you know, that we know too. So it's not mm-hmm. a faceless um, event where, yeah, oh, well, you know, that happens. You lose your job. Yeah. We actually can we, – we see the repercussions of what's going on. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's unfortunate. And you just want to reach out and give these people hugs and say it's going to be okay. But – yeah, I mean, what else can we do? It's kind of horrible. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Dap? I I do my, my – I feel for anyone who has to wake up and, and receive a text or, or an email or a phone call and, and say, don't bother coming in tomorrow or it it, it – it's, it's gut-wrenching. It's It's – I hate no. I, I hate that feeling. I hate knowing that feeling exists. I hate that people that 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 we may know we, we we're, we're friends with people that we know that work with these people who they care about um, have to deal with this. It's it's you know it, I'm I, I'm I'm not here to listen to anybody who claims that oh it's because they put out these books or oh it's because it's it's it, I don't I'm not worried about what someone thinks is a re- or good for them because of, I don't, that, 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 that's not, that doesn't register with me. I just, it, I understand it's business. I, I, I get that, um, you know, the people up top make sometimes stupid decisions and, and it, it affects, it trickles down, it affects other things. Um, but this, Something like this. I all I could. Do, I, I do hope that um, the people who did wake up and and found out that their job was dissolved, that uh, they are able to pivot into something else, and 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 for the better. I, I wish nothing but the best for them. As far as comics goes, um, this isn't anything new. We've we, we've seen this. We 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 saw it when Marvel went bankrupt. We saw it when and and you know how many artists left to to go to DC or other companies and and you know, we saw it with CrossGen and 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 everybody who they they were able to the, those creators were able to um, find work elsewhere. I mean, it, it, I don't know what's going to happen with with DC properties if because people were concerned that this was going to happen. With Marvel when Disney bought them, is that well they're just going to basically be a farm for for IP and and they're just going to come up with ideas that they'll be able to put into movies and TV shows and 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 whether or not that's the case, it, it hasn't happened yet. But um, you know, if 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 a media company owns your publishing, your 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 
comic book company. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think that that's a good mix, but um, I I can only hope that um, I, I don't think we're going to, as fans of the characters, I don't think anything's going to change as far as stories, things like that. Maybe how we get them, because I, I mean, uh, we were complaining today about the DC Connect for for previews and, and how that's digital only, and um, I can talk to. Uh, the local comic shop owner and and he can tell me about the the problems he's having with with getting his dc books and and that that's a whole other thing which i'm not going to divert the conversation into that but I, I i found out some bullshit with midtown that really pissed me off but um there's there's just it's what's what's shitty about it is that it's happening right now there's fucking pandemic when when everybody is scrambling to 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 take care of themselves and their families it's it's People who were just going about their business, doing their jobs, are are suffering because of people at the top don't know how to do their jobs. Is how I kind of see it. Right. And, well, I mean, but that's how everything works. I mean, yeah, it is. Look, look it out, is. look at the news. That's how the country's being run. Like, there's people yes. at the, on the top don't really give a shit about what what. It, it, there was no yeah. emotional attachment, I'm sure, for the from the person that made this decision. Like comics, and whatever. it's even easier if they could just send an email because then I don't have to see the face. Well, they don't have to like. Sure, sure. But I mean, before Jason corrects me, there's a very real danger here. It's like the San Andreas fault of of comic book kerfluffles because should DC switch over to entirely digital and just abandon the direct market entirely, you have. Uh, a patient that's on life support with two giant tanks and a bunch of little machines that, you know, take care of the small stuff, but nothing really life-threatening. But those two big tanks are what's keeping this dude alive. And if one of those tanks goes down, and that's DC, your patient's going to go under. If DC pulls out of the direct market, I would guarantee, and Jason, again, can, can you know correct me if I'm wrong, that the majority of comic book shops aren't going to be able to weather that storm. So I'll just let him take it. But I mean, part of it might be a test run right now, since since you know, DC is doing their own thing, and and not all shops can get their DC, or whether they choose not to, but but not all. It's not like they're getting their DC books with their diamond shipment. So it, some shops may be feeling that now. I, I would love to see, you know, if maybe if they're going to go digital, then you know, then at the end of three, four, six months, put out a trade that you could sell in a direct market. I mean, but yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Jason, I, I'm. I'm going to counter you because I know you love paper catalogs. I think printing a catalog, killing trees for the sake of a catalog is just wrong. Wait, who loves paper catalogs? Well, no, you said well, that's Jason, right? Jason's Jason's got his panties in a knot because the DC catalog is is not paper, and it's and you it's know digital. I hate previews, so it's not like one of those I, things. I, I love like. digital catalogs. It, it makes my life so much easier. I know. But I just think it's it's a it's a colossal waste to print something that by nature is time sensitive and disposable on paper. When you have this wonderful system for things like this, I'm not saying for real comics, but for for text heavy information pieces that are designed to sell you something, I want that digital. I don't want to waste a tree for that. So I'm glad that the catalog went digital. I know I'm, you know, I may be in the minority, but whatever. I just think it was a good idea to save the money and make that catalog digital because the the infrastructure is easy. Boom! You press a button, you send it out to everybody. We're done. You don't have to kill a tree. Yeah. Piggyback off of something David had mentioned. My concern is the the absence of this talent in the industry. Can, Can the industry normally? 
in 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 regular times absorb this talent into other area you know into other companies and then if not well you know what is that going to speak to just the quality of the the product overall if these people uh again as we mentioned their decisions being made that are affecting lives but some of these people had years and years and years of experience that you just don't replace True. overnight and and what does that mean for the the companies that are left standing what, what does that mean it, it, you know if these people aren't able to to find other jobs contributing in comics right away uh, you know, because of the pandemic and everything else, that's what I just wonder, what are we going to be looking at overall, uh, you know, down the road, you know, six months, 12 months, uh, because of, of the fact that this pandemic may be affecting bottom lines everywhere. Uh, you know, I guess that's something that I, I, I want to see how it shakes out. And if some of these people hopefully uh, can, can find jobs contributing uh, in other uh, with other publishers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's valid too. I, um, Vince, uh, contrary to your supposition, I'm actually you just you pretty much took the you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I, I think that um, well, first let me say that that we don't have any instant information. Yes, we do know people at DC, we know people at Marvel, we know people that distribute these things. I have spoken to a lot of them this week, mostly off the record. But even with that said, about being off the record, um, anything about what happens next is speculation, right? It really is. So anything I'm about to say is purely my speculation, just based on the way I read it as a person who spent 25 years investing in large companies like this and trying to interpret their actions um, predictively. Um, if, if it was just like a layoff, like Jeff alluded to, like they also laid off very high senior level people across other divisions – I would just check it, chalk it up as the classic big company buys big company, takes on a lot of debt, needs to cut costs to raise margins to make investors happy. Like I would just, you know, they've made a rule. Okay, we got to cut 25 to 30 percent of every division. Let's just go. I, I would I would have chalked it up to that and, and made no speculation about what it means for the direct market. Um, but in the context of this happening, along with um, what we saw with their decision to leave Diamond – uh, I'm at least open to the idea. What, what I said to you guys, if you recall, is I said, listen, I don't know anything about what happens next. But I will tell you that if I were in Warner Media and I was given a mandate to figure out how to extricate ourselves from the direct market and selling periodical comics, these would be two of the steps. Like these would be logical, linear steps to do it. Cut yourself from the main middleman. Uh, under the auspice of having two other people quote-unquote replace them, but these are people, again, that are really almost doing this as a favor to DC. Clearly, this isn't something they were planning on. It's not something, as Christina told us when she was on the show, she doesn't even have the capacity to take on other companies to distribute if she wanted to. Um, so there's, there, And again, I love Christina, but there is a possibility, and I brought it up on the show, that DC could be using her in, in Midtown right now as a stopgap, right? Um, so I look at this, and I think it is possible that the higher-ups, higher however high up you want to go, are like, I don't understand this. Why do we spend so much time and money on this cockamamie niche market that's got a, 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 a crappy supply chain that can be shut down with one, one, one company having financial issues and uh, you know we're selling to a bunch of people that are aging out and there's not that many of them. I just don't understand why we care about this market. I could see that. Like that, that would be a very – I would expect that conversation to be had. And this would be how you do it, right? So, I mean, like you said, I mean, we just have to wait and see. I don't think we're going to, like, wake up tomorrow and they're be like, oh, we're not selling comics anymore. I don't think that's the case. But I think that the other thing you have to take into this is from the other side. 
Um, DC has always been much better than Marvel at selling its collected editions and selling into the book market. Always much better than Marvel. Um, even when Marvel's had like twice the direct market market share, uh, DC has had far more dominant book scan numbers. Um, so they know that market very well. And I will tell you that even though it's not like our stuff, their most successful forays into new business in the last five years have been these YA graphic novels. Um, you know, like the one that Wild used did and it's just those are doing well they're doing well in big numbers in the book market and ya is the only area of books in general globally that's growing so i could very much see them saying like let's just focus on the ya market let's put out books let's put out collections and i you know i think as long as they can make a profit in the direct market like they'll continue to do it but i could see them thinking like why bother putting out monthly periodicals like let's even like that said let's just put out graphic novels and we'll sell them into the direct market if they want to but I think their days of worrying about keeping those 2,000 or so stores happy are over. And getting back to what Vince said, I 100% agree, Vince, with your interpretation that if we're like if our speculation turns out to be true and DC leaves the direct market in some major way, the direct market for most of it won't survive. Um, that the 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 average store cannot handle 30% of their business going away because it's not just 30% of their business. It's it's along with Marvel why a lot of people walk into the store and buy their stuff. Um, and, you know, I was talking to a certain creator friend of ours who's very plugged in and they were making the case that one of their creator friends said, oh, it's better for, you know, better for us. Like, you know, at, at working at other companies, like it just means more dollars for us. And our creator friend basically slapped them across the face and said, dude, that's not how it works in this world. Like when people stop buying their favorite DC comics because they're on the shelves, they're not going to start buying our comics. Like they're just not going to buy anything. Like that's the way it works, right? They don't, people are going to start picking up AWA and and more image and more dark horse and boom it's it that's not how it works it's never worked that way uh if dc or marvel lose a title that matters to someone they just don't buy that title anymore um so yeah so i do think it could potentially be like a sea change for the industry uh particularly for the retailers now i'm going to say something that's probably going to get some hate and i've said this before i care about what happens to the retailers because i love that there are people out there selling comic books to make a living because, like, it's a thing we all love. But, like, as a fan, like, as a consumer of this art form, I really shouldn't care too much about what happens to the comic store owners unless they're a friend of mine personally, right? Like, like again, we, this is the only industry where we seemingly care about every facet of the business chain. Like, we, like we don't – like, ultimately, if I can still get awesome comics from D.C., in whatever form they're going to provide them to me. And they're still great stories with great art and great, great writing. Like I'm going to be okay. And I think so as, a, as most of you out there listening, they're fans that just love these characters. I think you have nothing to worry about. I don't think, I don't think we're ever going to see an end to these characters being new stories being told of these characters. I think that's in perpetuity for lots of reasons. So, you know, again, I'm not saying don't care about the stores. We just had a fundraiser again to support the stores, but, but I'm saying like, ultimately your concern should be about, can you enjoy this art form and you'll still be able to enjoy it, I think, for a long time to come. So there you go. I get you, but I, I'm, I'm a little bit torn. Um, part of me wants to take the mindset, well, yeah, I wouldn't care if the, the quick mart on the, at the end of the street went down because that's where I get my, my white girls, right? I mean, okay, I'll just get my white girls somewhere else. You know what a white girl is, right? No, those little honey buns that have the white icing on them. Vinny oh, came. No. Vinny came I home. He goes, that. "Yeah, I picked up a couple of white girls today." I'm like, "Oh, really? <laughs> that sounds cool." And he pulls out the the, the sticky buns with the white icing. Uh, I was gonna say we call them sticky buns. Yeah. yeah, well, he calls them white girls. 
Okay. And um, and the ones without the icing are brown girls. Oh boy. Yeah. <sighs> okay. I, okay. But anyway, so should yes. I should should I care that the 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 shop at the end of the street that I can't get my white girls at is no longer extant because you know it inconveniences me. I got to get my white girls in another form somewhere else. But I used to like that guy who was behind the counter, and he was awesome, and he always told me about his his dog chippy like like stupid little shit like that like it's not a faceless soulless entity that just provides right. you with stuff no of it's course not. you know it's run by people and it's it that's i'm not suggesting it is it's no and I, and I know you you have yeah. a heart obviously more than i do but, but i mean I'm, but you should have a good business sense like you you chose to get into this line of work and i mean i definitely get where jason can is coming from to some degree where it's like you know you this is if, if you you have to adapt if if you can't survive in this market because because this is your niche or this is what you work. I mean, because how many comic shops have become gaming shops? And, and yeah. well, and, and rightly so, you know, yeah, so because that supports it. right. Otherwise, I mean, just selling comics, you'd be dead. So they all, right. they all evolve. They all you're evolve. not going to invest heavily in Valiant. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so right. I guess all right. All I'm saying is that it, it seems like the tenor of any conversation about this stuff always goes to, oh my god, we have to protect the direct market because we won't have comics then, and and that's simply not true. Now again. Right. Will it look the same? Will we have less quality? Will we have l- less options? Uh, will there be a period where we won't get like a ton of Marvel? Like, yes, I mean, absolutely. I'm not saying it would be ro- all roses. We saw with this COVID, it hasn't been, you know, we went a long time without a lot of new comics for this year. I- I'm not suggesting it, it would be pleasant. I'm not saying it would suck. All I'm saying, though, is that, again, like, <laughs> we could go through our lifetimes, the m- amount of industries that have been reshaped. And, and as an end consumer, generally speaking, in most cases, we've been better for it, uh, or at least okay, right? So, um, so my, that's all my point is like is like as a fan of these characters, you listen to our show to hear us talk about the stuff we love. I don't think you're gonna we're gonna have less to talk about. I don't think we're gonna not gonna be able to, Vince isn't gonna be able to tell you about the super ultra mega death metal part nine when it comes out in five years. Like it, it'll it'll be out there. Fingers right? like, crossed, uh, my brother. <laughs> yeah. Mean, so well, it's it was it, it, one of the topics in the Slack came up with you know i it, it, chris asked you know do you, do you get anxious because of all the because the mountain of things you you still have to read and and we all i know vince said it's nothing to worry about you've said there's nothing to worry. we all agree that listen it doesn't matter even if we stopped buying new stuff which we're not going to hell no we will still have stuff to read so there will always be something to discuss on this show yeah that's one thing everybody listening we if the direct market goes away Kirby forbid, but I'm just saying, should that happen, we are not going away, ever. It's just a fact of life. Yep. Yeah. Um, I have something, a real quick stepping stone, well, quick for me, be- before we get to the game uh, that that Jeff uh, floated our way. Okay. Yeah, it, it's a quick little story. Um, I was in the, in the mood for something old this week. In addition to uh, reading new so stuff, like something from her childhood. Uh, no, not my. This thing was published in June of 1952. That's a little before my time. A little bit. A, like li- a little bit. Um, so it's a story from the late lamented haunted horror. Oh, good old yes, haunted horror, which was published by Yo Books and IDW. And if you check the back issue prices of these things, <laughs> they're ridiculous. But anyway. Uh, this specifically was from Haunted Horror number 27. I just want to talk about one story. One little eensy-teensy story stood out from the rest of the pack. It's called The Eyes of Horror. 
What? It was originally published in Mysterious Adventures number 8 from Story Comics, as I said, in June 1952. Pencils were by Ed Goldfarb and the inks by Bob Bear. So the story goes like this. We're a fly on the wall at Chicago University in 1945, and the curtain's fallen on World War II. So Dr. Kincaid generates this first controlled atomic reaction in a chamber that he designed to protect observers from the, the devastating effects of radiation. Uh, he's looking at this little tiny mushroom cloud. Poof, it's like it could sit on your coffee table. That's how small this mushroom cloud was. Uh, so it's a good thing that they got the shielding up there because without the shielding, says Dr. Kincaid, he's certain that he and his chief scientist, Bob, <laughs> good old faithful Bob, would have transformed into God knows what. Those are his words exactly. We would have transformed into God knows what without my shielding. And, and, you know, it's good that they'll never find out. Or will they? Mm -hmm. See, Bob has a girl named Pam. And Pam desperately wants to get married. But she claims, Bob, you just don't make enough money, dude. Like, I I need some... That's cold, man. Yeah, I need some bling. I need some Skrilla. You got to get out there. And your job as chief scientist for Dr. Kincaid is not making enough money. She's a boss-level, passive-aggressive manipulator. She sounds charming. Yeah. If only Bob would listen to her friend Igor, Igor Timkin. He's the foreign fellow that she was telling him about. Remember, you know, he's a scientist like you. I'll ask him to come over and you could talk to Igor. Mm. So here's where Bob's life goes straight down the toilet. Good old Igor wants Bob for his experience with atomic reactions. And his country... <clears throat> will pay very handsomely for his contributions. And Bob's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Your country? And as it turns out, Igor is a Soviet scientist. Of course. And he's like, we're allies, my friend. I'm not even going to attempt a Russian accent. He Thank said, we're, we're, we're buddies. We're, we're, help us to help you. And and Bob's not having it. He, he tells Igor where to stick his offer. And uh, curiously, the panel where... Uh, that details Bob's response to Igor. Uh, he has his hand in the foreground, and it looks like he's flipping him the middle finger. I'm sure it was accidental. Um, it, it extends beyond the confines of the panel, but it almost looks as if the middle finger is like, F you, Igor. But, um, so Pam's not happy. She turns on the waterworks, and Bob eventually takes the position with the Soviets, right? So they they go to Russia, and they're given a tour of the Soviet lab, the the big setup there, and Bob's shocked because they don't use shielding to squelch mm. to squelch the radioactivity. And Bob's like, "Are you nuts? You're gonna die, or or even worse." And the Soviet scientists, fake news, they they make light of Bob's <laughs> of Bob's claims. They're like, "It's not a problem. We've been doing this forever. It's not going to hurt you." Well, but you the, did do an accent. I, it's a stupid accent. But the problem is, they never had a controlled atomic reaction in their little their little setup. They've just been, I don't know, dicking around. So a couple of days later, uh, Bob actually makes a controlled atomic reaction in their um, in their lab, and they're all like, yay. Uh, but Bob starts to feel a little bit weird. Mm. He starts feeling woozy, you know? A couple of days later, Bob's still not feeling well, but that doesn't stop him from sucking face with Pam. So he's he's in there and he's in the clinch. He's got you know he's loving her up and he's kissing her, and out of his eye, this is where the story goes. 
wackadoodle. Out of his eye comes this snake-like creature with a beak. And the beak is lined with little little tiny razor-sharp teeth. And it has blank, pupilless eyes. And there's these red tendril-like protuberances emanating from the whites of the eye. It's disgusting. It's this th- It comes out of his eye, and it goes for Pam's neck, and it bites her. Bites her on the neck, and Bob grabs his Jesus, and he, and he takes the, the snake thing, and it, it, it slithers back into his eye socket, and Bob drops to the floor dead. He drops dead. And Pam goes apeshit crazy, right? She runs out into to see Igor, and she's like, she tells him what happened, and she's screaming, crying, I gotta get out of here. This is nuts. And Igor backhands her, boom, smacks her right across the face. He's like, leave? You can never leave. Uh, so Pam's royally pissed, and she bites Igor on the wrist. And she stops. And she's like, wait a minute. Bob was always talking about those mutations thing, you know, with this atomic stuff and, and how it, it, the radiation affects you and it's not good. What if, what if Bob, that thing that came out of his eye that bit me, what if it infected me? And he goes, he goes, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You just bit me. <laughs> uh, so sure enough, seconds later, another slither, slimy, snaky thing comes out of Igor's eye and, it turns on him. It bites him on the neck. And so he drops dead. And Pam just loses her shit. She, she's like, oh, my God, my eye feels funny. And she runs out into the night. But before she goes, this is insane. Before she goes, she sees Bob's ghost. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he's pointing at her and he's laughing. He's like, ha, ha, ha. This is all on you. You made me a traitor. Now you're getting yours. Ah. And, and the last panel of the thing, it's amazing. It's like straight out of the playbook of William Castle. The, the last panel of the comic strip has the snake thing. And the caption says, how do your eyes feel? Now think hard. How do they feel right now? So the, it's like the tingler. Scream, scream, for, because your life depends on it. And I just thought it was a brilliant little wackadoodle story. But hmm. the, the thing that attracted to me to the, the most was the lettering. Because somewhere during the production of the story, they decided to change some of the details. And the the majority of the lettering is like, it looks like the Leroy lettering from EC Comics, that that very uh, sans serif, just, just thin line, you know, the EC lettering. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are parts of the lettering that are whited out or the equivalent of whited out in 1952 and other lettering is is written on top of it and the font style does not match the 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 other type in the slightest so it's almost as if it's bad dubbing like someone is talking hmm. to you like here we are in the lab of Jonestown uh you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's ridiculous yeah. and it goes on every like third panel you'll see something that was there but now has been taken out and put in. And Chicago University had not been in the original uh, draft of this story. I don't know why they changed it. They changed the date. They put in World War II. And, uh, well, for your um, edification, what I have done is I have made images of the reproduction story from Haunted Horror 1920, uh, from number 27, and I've taken the original story as published in Mysterious Adventures number 8 and put it up on the website so you can compare them side by side. I thought Look at you. Yeah, I thought that maybe it was Craig doing a little bit of fancy footwork on the back end 
when he reprinted it, but uh uh-uh, it's in the original. So somewhere during the conception of the story and the, the moment when it finally saw print, they decided to change some of the details. And it is just completely apeshit, wackadoodle crazy from the first panel to the last. So if you are, um, uh, I, I put most of it up on the website. So you'll get the gist. I was going to say go out and pick up a copy of Haunted Horror 27, but you really kind of don't have to because I put most of it up on the website. Go to 11 O'Clock Comics, for, um, click on the episode link, and there's a gallery, and it'll be in there, and you can laugh and laugh at poor Bob mm-hmm. making fun of Pam. Yeah. <sighs> it's so good. I love these old stories. They're the best. They're the best. So now... Let's uh, shimmy into um, the uh, the. I don't. It shouldn't, we shouldn't call it a game because it's not really a game. No, but it, a, it's it's a it's a, uh, list. it's a list. But it's a fun list. It's yeah, a, it's yes. an exercise in uh, introspection. Let's put it that. It's kind of like a Scotty list. Like when Jason and I were telling him about mm-hmm. Born Again, he's like, "Yeah, I never read it." It's like, yeah. dude. All right. Yep. Or okay, it, well, it, let, Jeff, do you want to you want to intro the, the idea since yeah. you're a brainchild? Good yes. idea. Uh, sure, yeah. So this was kind of born out of the situation where the comics weren't coming, and I was looking around at the shelves with so much stuff on there, the, the regine overfloweth, and I realized there was just so much out there that I still hadn't even picked up or picked up and put down. Uh, some things that were, were marked as classics, and uh, so... Uh, talking to Jason, I said, maybe come up with a list of, of top five things that we haven't read, but we know we should based off of reputation or, or uh, whatever the case may be. So uh, when I started putting together a list, unfortunately came up with more <laughs> uh, th- than five, which, you know, but also this is more of a, a motivation as well to, for me to, to, to get off my arse and, uh, and start reading some of these things, some of which are, again, a couple feet away and just sitting on the shelf. So I um, need to take advantage of, of them. So that was really the uh, the impetus for, for the idea and in, in coming up with this list. Love it. All right. Well, should we um... – well, you know it's important to adapt that we stick to five. You know that. Okay. See, this is funny. seriously it's funny. Because yeah, it's, it's and I appreciate that. Get out um, of my lane. <laughs> what'd you say? Get out of my lane. <laughs> yeah. It's Vince like, well, here's my five point one and five. Point- I, I had five and a quarter, but I. I, had, <laughs> I mean, when 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 Jason mentioned it to us, I had four right off the bat, and and by the time I finished, um, lunch and I came back upstairs. I had like twelve or thirteen, so I I'm, I'm just gonna pick five. But but like you, Jeff, like yeah, there are things that I have in my house that I still never read, and things that I've had for years that I know I should have read and haven't. So I, I think we're we're on the same wavelength here. But yes, I mean if we're just if we're just doing five, I definitely have five. But I know Vince likes to do. But well, you know, it depends on. No full disclosure, I I, I cheated a bit. I, I have I have five, but one of the five is. Not a single thing. It's a body of work. Oh, okay. a couple of minor bodies of work. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So yeah. then I didn't yeah. cheat. I'm good then. Right. Okay. F all y'all. Yeah, I mean, I would I would think based on the fact that we were just saying we all have enough to read the rest of our lives, I think it's clear that we could easily do more than five. But mm-hmm. it's oh, supposed to be like the, yeah. the five that really resonated that we think people are going to be like, how oh, have you not read that? So, yeah. yes. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we let our, our, our uh, glorious guest uh, start us off with his number five? Uh, yeah, I did not rank them in any order, but uh, 
this one was an egregious one. As as I got back into comics, my, my wife was the catalyst for that and had actually one Christmas uh, bought me several comics, um, one of which was um, The Sandman, the original – the first trade. Uh, I have tried uh, to read Neil Gaiman. <laughs> I have started – American Gods many times. I, I have uh, tried reading the comic, and I don't know what it is, if it's my mindset or, or, or what, but I just I just don't finish <laughs> Neil Gaiman books. And uh, so the, the Sandman was the first one uh, because of the fact that, one, it's been sitting here forever since I literally got back into comics all those many years ago. Um and two, part of it is just a mental hurdle that I need to get over, sit down, uh, because I, you know, everything I've I've heard uh, about the the series seems like it would be right up my alley. It's just one of those things where I haven't taken the plunge and and need to do so. Well, if it makes you feel any better, the first trade of Sandman is almost nothing like what comes later. It's, oh really? Yes, it's very different. Uh, he, I think Neil is still finding his his footing on that first trade. Um, the first one is the the Sam Keith trade. Sam Keith does the art, right? Uh yeah, yeah. That that the the series changes significantly with the second trade. Well, I'll follow Jeff because Sandman is on my list as well. And same, same reasons. I, I own it all. I have every Sandman issue ever made. Uh, in collected edition or some form, and I have read like I don't know, like the first four or five issues. I and it's it's not because I don't I do like gaming. I I've, every gaming thing I've read, I've I've enjoyed. I I uh, I know it's like the most beloved thing for a lot of comic readers. I know it's it's Mario's like favorite thing. I I, I have no doubt that if I roll up my sleeves, I will love it. Um, and it's not like I'm trying to like make a statement by not reading it i just it's just one of those things i'm just ne- it never seems to be the number one thing on my list to grab and then it someday hopefully it will be and i'll, I'll have a great experience in, in the first trade you don't get a, very much of a glimpse into the whole uh machinery behind the dream works mm-hmm. uh it's just uh morpheus is in captivity and it's it's more of a, a character study but mm-hmm. one once morpheus i mean gets out the whole thing just explodes and you're, you're given a tour through, uh, you know, uh, everything basically that's going to matter to the series. And I think, yeah, yeah second trade, re- it, it still doesn't kick in full bore second trade, but at least you get a glimpse of what the book will become. It's Sandman was one of the ones on my list. I think I've read the first issue. Um, so I kind of didn't want to put it on the list. Hopefully that somebody would have, but, um, I, I I bumped it so that something else could actually that I haven't touched could um you're kind of be on there. You're kind of cheating right now because you're telling us one that was on the list but not. <laughs> so you're really doing six. No, I'm not. I'm not because oh, it's oh, not on the list. Oh, I'm telling you why it wasn't. But so it was going to be fair game. We no, it was allowed no. that he didn't just throw out a random six. He, right, he right. I I, could, I I could give you the the remaining ones when we're done. But it, it, <laughs> but tell but me what you're so <laughs> what. Tell me what your choice is. <laughs> no, no, but this was a this is a tangent, not not for now. Um, but it's it's a story that I'll tell later, uh, if not tonight, some other time. But but about my neighbor and Sandman and the dreaming. But um, 
my um, my number five um, is uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's just oh insane. It's God. insane what? that you haven't read that. Oh my what? <laughs> Seriously, oh my I'm about to call it quits right now. That, that that was on. That was one that didn't make my cut. That was on my. Oh Holy my goodness! I, I just it never it it, it, oh it started God. when I was it started when I wasn't really reading, and then it just I it, I thought it may have just been too. Um, I mean, I love the hook. I love the idea of it. And yes, and and, and Kev O'Neill's art can, um, it 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 may take some people. I'm getting used to, but but I I, I love his style. I love I, I love the idea of it, and and no, the movie didn't turn me off or anything like that. It was just one of those things where um, I kind of between its publishing schedule and and kind of not knowing where to jump, and then I couldn't because it's not like they were really when it started trades readily available. So it it's just it's I know I want to, I know I need to, I just haven't gotten around to it yet so it's not something that no no i'll never read it it's it's i'm mean, we're not talking about we three it's just one of those things where it's just like yes i know i should i just haven't yet right uh fun fact kevin o'neill was the only artist to ever be banned from dc yes yep yes you after already... the uh lobo special yep yeah. you, you, only, you already knew that, that. When we did the uh, lobo book of the month yep yep um uh, first one on my list uh you're gonna be like yeah we understand why. Um, I have never read the March trilogy by uh, John Lewis, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell. And uh, you could go pre, I, I, you can say woke, whatever. <laughs> um, a couple of years ago, I would never even consider reading this, not because I was, um, because I didn't care about the plight of um, the black person in. Uh, America, but I just didn't find something. I didn't find investigations like that entertaining. Yes, mm -hmm. I should have read them. I should have read all of them, but I didn't, and that's on me. So uh, I desperately need to read the March trilogy. You do. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I think I'm yeah. the only one that's read them. So that yeah. I mean, I, I I have the slipcase right here. That oh, it's, nice. it's, I mean, Vince. Pointing it out, it, it absolutely should be on my list. And the used bookstore has uh, two of the volumes in the window, so I know that they're they're, they're thing people wear. But uh, yeah, no, I, I and it's right here to my left. So I mean, I, I'm looking right at it. it. It's something I need to read. It should be on my list. It isn't, but but I'm. I'm but I'm, you own I'm it though. That's good. Yes, yeah, yeah. And you... I own it thanks to Hassan. He he sent it to me, and, and it, was, it was um yeah. So thank him for that. But I. I need to sit down and read. I, I sometimes want to go back in time and punch myself in the nuts, and and be a little, just be a little more feeling, a, a little <laughs> more co more cognizant of of what's going on outside of my my little insular pocket of 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 notice. But um, so I am taking steps to to do that, and that's why I put this on my list because it's it's a glaring omission and something that universally praised. Um, from what I hear, it's a powerful work, and I should have read it. Love it. Yep. Okay, I believe it's back to Jeff. All right. Um, kind of going along with that, uh, a book of cultural significance. I believe it won the Pulitzer Prize. It's it's sitting on my shelf. Mm. My, my my wife has read it. Mm. Uh, for some reason, I have not. Is uh, Mouse uh, ah, yes. by Art Spiegelman? Uh, you know, again, just one of those things that uh, I don't know why. 
Um, so I need to uh, fix that and sit down with it and, and uh, just just read it. And, uh, you know, making this list, it was one that jumped out at me. Uh, kind of like what Vince is talking about with March, which is like there, there, there's no reason. Uh, it's just kind of got lost in the shuffle, put on the shelf, forgot about it. And then as I was kind of perusing the, the show saying putting this list together, I was like, oh, geez, you know, I've never sat down with that. And, uh, you know, I need to, to, to fix that. So um, that is the, the next one on my list and hopefully one that I will be uh, sitting down with shortly. It's it's right there and accessible. Uh, and, and hopefully I'll be able to. Uh, to read that shortly yeah. it, it like like the sandman editions it's something that whenever i see it in previews it's in my cart it never makes mm-hmm. the final cutoff but and it's it's yes it, that, that was one of my runners up and it's one of those things that i again i know i should read it I, I i respect the skill and and um the importance but um it's it's also one of those things where do i want to read this or do i want to read something else that that i'm going to escape with or take my mind off things right or, right so right. it's i know it's not do you want to see superman plunge into the heart of the of a, of a son or do you want to watch uh the systemic ob- obliteration of an entire <laughs> right so yeah. group of people no, I, but yeah i get that i get not wanting to read it for sure like so, not being in the but, mood to, I get it. But like like me with March, Jeff at least owns it. I I still I I should have it in my library. But even if I just read it once, I'll have read it and and I'll have it. But I I I should have it at least. Yeah. I feel it. It's one of the best comics I've ever read. I was going to say, I think yeah, it, it's not a feel definitely not a feel good story, but sure. But well, I mean, from from just the 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 cultural impact of it to the the mechanics the 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 approach that art took to creating this book where he didn't finesse everything was done on little tiny sheets of of tracing paper like he was just knocking it out and the the rawness of the graphics it's a it's a beautiful if that word can apply i think it's a beautiful book that um yeah it's it's one of those ones that i have in 19 million different editions and i just can't stop buying it because it's a, it's it's an important work and it's, mm-hmm. rightly so I think it's a monumental achievement visually as well as you know putting this list together for me was interesting because especially with the first two I realized how much mindset when I sit down to read comics uh, plays a role in what I pick mm-hmm. up Definitely. and you know you know you're working full time kids everything else and you say okay opportunity costs I only have so much time. And and sometimes at the end of the day, I'm frustrated because I'm like, why did I just read this newer com? You know, why am I still buying Comic X that's just mediocre to me instead of pulling one of these classics off the shelf? But it really is funny about just your, your feeling or your mood, whether you know whether it's music, movies, whatever comics, how much that plays a role in not only what you choose to read, and, but also your level of enjoyment. You know, at the time that that you're reading it, because it's it's been the same thing. You know, with Sandman too, just knowing. You know, I have that Neil Gaiman hang up. I, I would always reach for something else, whether it's an inferior comic to to what the Sandman is. You know, and same thing with Mouse. It's just, I, you know, you, you got to get over that mental hurdle and uh, just sit down with it and, and experience it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. I think lifestyle has a, a is a big factor in oh, in, sure. in these yeah. things. But we all have jobs, we have families, we have responsibilities. At the end of the day. You want to come home and, you know, throw on uh, 
an ACDC album. You don't want to listen to John Coltrane's Love Supreme, even though Love Supreme is by far the better, mm. the better, more enriching work. Sometimes you just want to, you know, take your pants off and rock out, right? Yeah. And that, that's what we have to, it's, it's silly, but we should really make time for the finer things in life. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would, I would go so far as to say that Mouse, given its, I mean, I think Mouse is the, pretty much has a clear path to being the most universally acclaimed comic ever. I mean, I personally think Watchmen is the best comic ever, but, but I think Mouse, like, as you said, it won the Pulitzer, it won the National Book Award. Like, it's, it's taught in, like, every, every university in America has some class that uses Mouse in its curriculum. I mean, so, yeah. Um, I would say it, like, to anyone out there that's listening that hasn't read Mouse, like it should be on your list of your five. Like it needs yeah. to be on your list. Well, um, I, I agree with you. I think Watchmen's better, but you got to give props to Spiegelman. He knew oh, what would yeah. garner attention. And if, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're doing a comic on the Holocaust, I think you got a little bit of an edge over over a bunch of yeah, superheroes. Perfect. Yeah, perfectly well executed. Yeah. Um, I it kind of in keeping with the idea here of like this book is something you know you should read because it's important. <laughs> Um, that's my number four, uh, and that is a contract with God by Will Eisner. Um, wow! Nice. I own it. I I have never read it. Um, I, I think a lot of people know it's 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 often credited as the first graphic novel. Now it's not really, but no, that it it holds that place in history in the sense that that's kind of perceived to be the first lifetime that the idea of graphic novel was ubiquitous and accepted. And I think it was published in seventy eight, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I don't know why I haven't read it other than kind of like you guys are saying, I'm never in the mood to because it just doesn't, there's, I know a little bit about what it's about and it just doesn't seem like it's ever like a hook, like I'm I'm clamoring to read it. Um, And then honestly, I haven't read a lot of Will Eisner and I know that may be sacrilegious, but um, part of it is because of like when he made comics and, you know, some of the things that I now know that he did because of the time it was pretty racially insensitive and, I just, I guess I don't, I don't have, Will Eisner isn't a huge part of my comics heart. Uh, and I'm not saying that's fair, but it just, he's not. Um, I, again, much like we've talked about a couple weeks ago with, there's a difference between not liking something significant, not acknowledging its importance. I acknowledge Will Eisner's importance to comics and his role uh, and his, uh, his place in the Hall of Fame. But I just, for me, I never see the name Will Eisner and think I, I got to check that out or, Oh man, that's just amazing. So, um, yeah. So for me, but, but, but that being said, I mean, I've heard nothing but great things about this book and I do like the idea of reading what many people consider the first significant graphic novel. Uh, and I already own it, so it should, I should read it, but yeah, contract with God. Can I respond to that? Yeah. I love Will Eisner. Mm-hmm. Um, adore his spirit work. And I love the fact that Will was responsible for nurturing guys like Mike Plug and inspiring a, a wealth of artists we all know and love. The yep. stuff, the non-spirit Will Eisner stuff is boring as fuck. <laughs> the, the, a contract with God, a life force, um, what, I mean, invisible people, they are all to a book boring as hell okay, there you go. yeah so um, i mean i i love the dude i won't i have them i've read them i'll never read them again mm-hmm. i mean yeah. i the, the craft is there the, the uh, it the, they're they're wonderful visually but story-wise yeah. like i just whatever give me the spirit I agree with that yeah sure mm-hmm. all right vince 
Oh, Vince or Depp? Forget who. I think I I think it's me, but this is my number two because, of course, I'd go in the opposite direction than all (laughs) of everybody. Um, My number two is my favorite thing is monsters Mm. by uh, (laughs) Amos Ferris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't get past the art. What? The art is a huge uh, roadblock for me. I open the book. No, no. Listen, let me let me clarify. I open the book. And I, I look at the art, and I never make it to the story. Oh, okay. okay. I just keep paging okay. through it like, oh, my God. this this say, like, wow. No, no, no. The, the, no uh, I'm with you right there. Yeah, this spread is gorgeous, and uh, it's, I love the, the rawness and the, the, uh, the verite aspect of it. Like, it's just it, – it's wonderful visually. I just I, – I, I've never sat down and, and just started the actual story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and it's and and this isn't. I mean, it, it, it's not to compare the two; they're completely different. But it, it it's very similar in my mind to Duncan the Wonder Dog, where it's just I'm going to sit down, I'm going to, and and you can just kind of get lost in it. And I mean, Duncan is dark, and it's it's visually it's dark, yeah. but it it's it's one of those things where you have to they have to work together. And and my favorite thing is Monsters is is beautiful to look at, and I'll flip through it from time to time. I'm like, I'm gonna sit down and read this, and and I I. I have it in my hands and I'm flipping through it. And I'm like, this is gorgeous. It's daunting, and right? I just, right. Yeah, it is, yeah. It is daunting. But it's, it's, and I'm sure once I maybe started, it might get the ball rolling and I'll, I'll, before I know it, it's like, you know, it's nighttime and, and I got a beard. But it's, it's, I just figure that I'll, um, I definitely will sit down with it. I just, it's, it's, it is. It's like Vince said, it, it's daunting. It, it's, it's a runner up for me, but it, it's absolutely something that uh, I know I need to read. It's sitting right here. There, there's absolutely no excuse why I haven't, except that I have. It's like a beautiful woman where you're mesmerized by the visuals and like, oh my God, the way the light is hitting her face, it's gorgeous. And the sparkle in her eyes and look at that dress. And she's just a, a just a vision and you don't go up and talk to her. Right, you're just so bedazzled by the, the 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 external that you don't want to get into the the heart of the thing because it, you're just mesmerized. That's what my favorite thing is monsters is to me. It's just so amazing looking that I just don't take that extra step to to get into the the real, not the real content, but the the next level of content. Let's say. I get it. Absolutely get it. Yeah. And I know once I do read it, I'll be just be like. The fuck you, why like why why you, oh yeah you, yeah, yeah absolutely 100 um my my number four unlike my number five which i don't have any l-o-e-g this is something that just came to mind because i have a couple of different versions and i'm not this isn't something this isn't groundbreaking this isn't like oh every comic book fan needs to read it's just something that i know i have in my possession there's no reason why i haven't read it yet except that i haven't and that's and that's powers by by Bendis and Oming. I just I don't know why I haven't sat down and read this yet. And I'm sure some people haven't, and and that's that's fine. I'm sure some people have, and and they may think you know you should, but I just it's something that I know I own, and it just hasn't it just hasn't happened yet. And some people could say, well, there's, there's no big deal. You don't yeah, have to. There, there are no better things. Though, just come, given how much you love Bendis, it, it, right? Exactly, yeah. which is why it's on my list. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Right. Well, I mean, it's also good because I didn't know I didn't even know that you hadn't read it. So that's I found that interesting. Yeah. All right, Jeff. What's up? Number three, brother. All right. So my my next several on the list are stuff from prior to uh, 
me being born or, or early on, and uh, I just some of which is on my shelf and just have not gotten around to it. Uh, and, the, and the first one is the category of early Fantastic Four. Uh, I've read some, but not mm. much. I think I just wounded Vince. Yeah, you're dead, um, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Some of, so yeah. Uh, is can anyone hear me? I think I got disconnected. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 you know, again, I don't know. What, you know, I was a Marvel zombie as a kid, but I was just zeroed in on on X Men and, and and other stuff, and just you know, never really circled back to, to Fantastic Four. I have Omnibus sitting on the shelf for Burn and and some of the other stuff. I've read Hickman's Run. I've read. The Wade Ringo stuff, but I just, for some reason, have not, you know, circled back to just sit down and kind of go through the the early Stan and Jack stuff. And I know that's where so you know the the Marvel Universe was born, and and uh, it's something that uh, now that I'm I'm back and I'm you know full into some of the other teams, you know, and, and open to reading Avengers and, and other other stuff other than X-Men. It's something I need to, to certainly certainly fix. So um, early Fantastic Four is on my list. I feel your pain. There, I, mm-hmm. I remember a lot of guys coming into comics in the early 90s and starting off with X-Men. And because there were so many X-Men books, they, they didn't have the financial opportunity or the desire, really, to, to investigate other aspects of the Marvel Universe. Because, I mean, X-Men were, bang, what was there, like 16 books a month? Yeah. <laughs> there was a ton of them. So, yeah, right. I, I get you. Yeah, I, I understand it. I forgive. <laughs> I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> since, since we're uh, in the period of the game where we wound Vince, um, I guess I'll jump in and say that my number three is uh, American Splendor. Um, I, I think you. I think you wounded Zach. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure wounded Zach. Um, uh, of course, Harvey Pekar being the lead there, but also Robert Crumb and Frank Stack and all those artists that were associated. But, but I mean, it's Harvey Pekar, really. I mean, as much as when you think of Harvey Pekar, it's American Splendor. In fact, that's the name of the film they made about him. As a result, I, I just I. <sighs> when I was a younger reader, I could. There were lots of reasons why I didn't read it. It just seemed like not my thing. Um, in the last 10 years in the journey I've been on, I, I, I would think it's totally up my alley. I read tons of stuff I think that is directly descended from uh, the the creative juices of Harvey P. Carr. Um, so I, I, whereas if we did this list a decade ago, I would have had no interest. This would have made my list. I'm very much interested now, but now it's more of a thing where I just don't know where to begin. It's, it's not dissimilar to the Los, Los Bros Hernandez where you know, it can be daunting if you haven't read it uh, because there's so much. And obviously, you know, it's not like totally linear and there's been different types of collections. It can be tricky if you don't have good guidance as to where to start. And a lot of it's different in tone and scope. And, and I know the same of, of, of Splendor. So, um, yeah, I just uh, and to that end, I mean, I'm, I'm open to, to diving in. I don't. And this is unlike the other things I've talked about. I don't own any. I don't think I own any American Splendor uh, in any form, issue or collection. So. Um, yeah, it's just a huge white space for me. And, uh, um, I know why it was a white space for a long time. I don't know why it's still a white space. Yeah. My dude, it's, it's a white space for me. I was, it, it, it should be on my list. It's one of those things where, um, maybe it was just autobiographical books back 
and the day weren't weren't my cup of but I just I remember every issue practically of Comics Journal where it's like, hey, and here's Harvey Pekar and it's like, okay, you know, I and he's got a different artist. I again it's one of those things where I know it's important. Um but I just haven't gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to do my number three? <laughs> <laughs> you mad about it? Go it's ahead. <laughs> Jesus. All right, my number three. And I have no logical explanation for why I've never read this stuff. Uh-huh. Because the uh, the visuals uh, speak to me on a level that only the the classic comic strips can can speak to me. Uh, they're beloved by many, and uh, the one of the most baffling things is I see it all the time in the previews by Drawn and Quarterly, and it just seems like. I mean, I want to add a book or two to my order, but by the time I get around to it, my order's always much too uh, expensive to add them. And um, I'm talking Moomin by Tove Jansen. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have no real explanation as to why I haven't read this stuff by now. Uh, I I adore the look of it. Uh, I hear wonderful things. It's been... been you know, translate into a bazillion different languages, and I just, I've never read it. I want to so bad. I don't even own a single book. It's just baffling. But it, it speaks more to my, my fickle nature uh, and my, my, my self-imposed limits on how much I spend every month. Uh, I should, it should be a priority. I should just bang, order it, and then let the rest of the stuff fall by the wayside or sneak in as, you know, the the dollar limit permits. But I, I, I just don't know why. I, I hate myself for not reading it. <laughs> That's strong, bro. Yeah, well, I do. Yeah. Uh, this one is, is a, um, one of those things that I know, um, I just, I need to actually acquire. I don't, I don't have any of the volumes, but that would be 20th century boys. Mm. Yeah, it, that, yeah. It's a void, but I don't think it's an egregious one. I mean, I have some volumes of Pluto, which I still, which I need to complete. I haven't finished, um, but I always think of the two of them. Um, yeah, that was for, there was yeah. a moment where those two were, those two modern manga were, were breaking into the threshold of we non-manga people. It seemed like there was that year where we were all up on that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's just something that's always in the back of my mind where it's like, yeah, I, I would like to I would like to read. I mean, I I still have to finish Death Note. I still I mean I I'd I'd love to finish Monster, but but Twentieth Century Boys is something that I've just never started and, and I would at least I and mean, it's only like twenty some odd volumes, but still it's I, I think I I think it's doable. I just I'd like to. I just haven't. And they've been soliciting a specific version of the 20th Century Boys. I've been picking them up in a, I forget what they call it. Uh, I think the seventh or eighth volume was just solicited, um, but it had a specific name, and it's a nice uh, new edition that's been oh. coming out. Yeah, it's one of those you got to buy it again editions where they'll they'll combine like one or two, okay, or sometimes right, yeah. three volumes, like 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 um. Like what they did with Death Note, yeah, like done with something. Yeah. They do. They okay. do it with all of them. Um, right. Helsing. They're not hardcovers like Drifting Classroom. Or, oh, they're not. Or some of the other ones, but they are. Uh, no, they're not the hardcovers. Hmm. But interesting. Okay. 
What you got, Jeff? Back to Jeff. Back to me. All right. Not sure who I'm going to wound with this next one. Um, (laughs) Save it for each of us. That's great. (laughs) Listeners are shaking their fists. Um, So, (laughs) no. um, Again, a little before my time, I should have circled back. I I have uh, the first 18 issues of one of them in a collected edition that just came out recently in front of me. Uh, And that's just the collection of uh, Kirby's Fourth World. Uh, really a blind spot for me. I know. Poor I'm man. sorry. I'm just. It, this was not my intention. Uh, Who asked him on here? I, right? I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm trying to write a comic wrong with this list and identify my. Blind well, spots. it's good to just, take uh, the first steps. Yeah, first that's steps. Right. Yeah. My confessions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, one of those things where I just have not gotten around. I bought the Kirby Mr. Miracle collection that that recently came out, uh, but have not sat down to read it. Uh, you know, I know there's nice hardcovers out there. I've always looked at, talked, you know, almost talked myself into buying, just never pulled the trigger and and sat down with them. So again, it's another another blind spot that I need to need to fix. Oh wow, I'll say poor fix. It's, like, it's, it's got the shakes over there. DTs. It's okay. I mean, we, there's only a limited number of hours in a day. It's uh, true. Yep. Yeah, we all have. That's the point of this. That's why yeah. this is a fun game. Is we all have things that are like jaw droppers. Um, this one for listeners probably already they already know this because uh, we've mentioned it in the past. But I, I it it, it uh, it's Usagi Yojimbo. Um, Brian Clark right now is like mm. ah, is he enough screaming? Um, <laughs> Take two. That was such a weak ass scream, dude. <laughs> I know. I know. Listen, I'm good at singing Usher. I'm not good at singing. Yeah, no. It's debatable. But yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Um, oh, nice. Guy gets. Guy gets Kirby shot on twice, and he. he I, yeah, I may have set the tone for yeah, the rest okay. of the episode. I nah, um, you're good. You're all good. But of course, you know the the the, the, the multi decade long creator owned work by Stan Sakai about Usagi, who's a samurai rabbit, and uh, I've read like maybe three or four issues randomly. Um, and, and enjoyed them. Uh, it's it's similar to Splendor in that I, I don't have any real reason for not reading it um, other than I just now find it so daunting because it's like, do I go back and read volume one? Do I just pick up a random volume? Uh, you know, um, I, I, just, I don't know. Um, there's no reason, like, it looks great. I love Stan's cartooning. Um Obviously, I don't need to worry that it's not quality. It's this stood the test of time and is beloved. It's the favorite. It's a lot of people's favorite ongoing comic. Um, I, I mean, I dig samurai stories and, and feudal Japan. Like, I, I there's nothing about the book that should turn me off. Um, I think other than just that, it just feels like I don't almost like belong to the club, and I it just feels like it's going to be impossible to catch up now. But uh, but yeah, I just. I, I hope I get the bug one of these days to just sit down and read a volume or two just to just to experience it. I really uh, think I, you'll like it. I do too. Yeah. And and it's it's kind of a it's a blind spot for me as well. And I, I was looking at the the collection that's in the um in this Oh the grass cutter edition? Yeah. So I I don't know if it'll make it on the list. It's something that, you know, I, I kinda wanna read it in uh, the way it was intended, like like bone. Like I haven't read the bone color edition. My only I, I finally sat down and read the big honking one volume edition of Bone, but it was in black and white, and I, I I wanted to see it the way it was kind of initially published in non single issues. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I I I don't know. I I 
I'd like to. I just, yeah, it's my, my the most I know about Usaki Ojimbo is, is when he showed up in Turtles. Yeah. A lot of people. That's how it works. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. My number four swings that little red dot straight over Jason's heart. This was not intended, but I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. The uh, my number four is not a single work, but a novois, and in a, a, a particular writer's entire non-mainstream work uh, past a certain point, and that includes East of West with Nick Dragata, Manhattan Projects with Nick Patara, and Dying in the Dead with Ryan Bodenheim, and oh, the, the most baffling one to me, The Black Monday Murders with Tom Coker. My number four is the entire Hickman uh, extra mainstream au revoir. I just haven't, I haven't read any of them. And Jason well, you read would, the nightly news, right? Yeah. He, yeah. And Jason would throw this stuff on his best of list every 11 o'clock. Yeah. Cause I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. just trying to be, you know, uh, hide in the corner. But yeah, I, I just don't get it. Um, I think Hickman is a wonderful writer. I love his Marvel work. Um, I, I I enjoyed somewhat nightly news, but I thought it was a a, a more design. Yeah, it was first comics. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Red Mask from Mars was was not bad, but um, I, I see the quality in in this stuff, and I just I just don't buy it. I don't know why. I get that, and I would even kind of like you were saying with that with the like with the twentieth century. I, I I wouldn't say like that's. Like you don't have to feel horrible that you're not haven't read it. I mean, it is modern work by one creator. Um, yeah, but I mean, certainly for me, it's he's he's one of my favorites. Of the, I thought you were about to say the Black Hammer stuff from Lemire. And oh no, 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 no! I would have had Essex County. Yeah, I love the complexity of Hickman's work um, and the 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 concept or the theme of of Black Monday murders is is it bores a hole straight you know to my the middle of my brain so i don't know why i haven't read it i don't like well, i said on that one i mean you'll get an uh, unfortunately as i think you know tom coker had some health issues and so the book got derailed on that front but um but i i've heard at least a little birdie said they swear it's coming back and it'll it'll they'll have a nice run with it so you'll probably be able to get a reprint or re, re, oh, re-release hope. of it yeah yeah, yeah. i'd I was like wondering to... what happened to it yeah, he was very public about it. I don't think that's like talking out of school. I think he posted on his Facebook, and I think Hickman acknowledged yeah. it in interviews. I I don't even remember what it was. I, I, if I don't, if I recall correctly, it was something to do with his hands, actually. I and I do believe he's fine now, which You're is right. why I feel okay talking about it. So yeah, I mean, it's not like I mean, you said dying in the dead. It's like okay, well, I mean, I think you can find that one issue, but it's but that that's, that's <laughs> um, damn. You're taking shots at our boy Ryan Bodenheim right now. No, I mean it's fine. It's it's you know it's I mean I. I thought the first issue was fun. I was looking forward to the second, and and I know it came back, and 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 again it, it didn't, but um, but my man, it, but because it hurts because my man is super talented. I mean, no matter whose name he's puts on the commission, but it's still great, great shit. So I, I'd like to, I, I'd like to see it. <laughs> grudge holder over there. Never, uh, never. It's not even mine. Go. It's not even my commission. Hold, hold it's not that I don't fucking forget. I just I don't know. he's I'm made it right dick. like ten times. Uh, I'm a dick. So, <laughs> um, mine. Th- this is. This is me kicking my own ass. This is me. Um, I'm I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I am pissed. That, you see, uh, watch when I'm walking out. <laughs> if it ain't the movie, it ain't right. So uh, this this one, and the reason why this hurts is because he is absolutely, without a doubt, 
one of my all-time favorite artists who 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 was taken from us way way too soon and 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 it hurts me to say um and i wish i could take it to my grave but then i means i'd have never read it and i want to fix that i have never read telos oh boy no, i haven't either Oh, oh goodness! I've never even thought to like it's never once crossed my mind. Oh, no, it always it always crosses my mind huh, every time. I'm like, I need to fucking read this. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's Michael Ringo. It's gorgeous. It's oh. it's a fantasy book. Todd Desago is 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 your writer, but that I mean, and 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 as fun as his stories can be, that's not what always. That's not what ever make that the book of the month property. I think we should. I don't know if um. I don't know if there's any present um, currently in print editions. I know it was I think it was I think it was a Kickstarter a couple of years ago to to, okay. to to collect it and bring it back. But um, and I know oh I know that there was also something where a bunch of artists got together to to do like a a tribute mm-hmm. book. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, no, Telus is my number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be my number one, but it's 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 something that uh, this is one that's personal to me. It's not something that like this is more surprising to me that I haven't read it. Not that somebody might say you know. Uh, I mean, it, it, to me, this is like the way I think Jason reacted to when I said powers. It, it's just like, why why didn't I read this? People might not know and, and not care that I didn't read it. But for me, it's like, mm-hmm. why haven't I read it yet? And and it's just, it's it hurts that I haven't. It's a big problem. Wow, yeah, it's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. All right, last one. Last one. All right. Finch should be... Um, should we save not- him? Oh yeah, he should be safe. I believe. I'm, I'm not taking shots at not, me. No, I, I don't think. I'm not sure who I'm taking a shot at here. Um, so this uh, series, I, I love the writer. Uh, it, it started a little before I got back into comics. It was finishing up right around the time I got into comics. Um, part of the the Vertigo um, uh, imprint, uh, you know, and. Uh, I've I've gone back and read Fables, scalped uh, so much stuff from Vertigo, but the one that I haven't yet uh, pulled the trigger on is Why the Last Man. Uh, mm. That is something from there that I know a lot of people uh, hold in, in high regard, and uh, I love Brian K. Vaughn's saga has been one of the best things that's that's come out recently to me. Um, Paper Girls love that as well, but I just haven't gone back and, and, and circled back to, to Why the Last Man, unlike so many others from Vertigo at that time, like DMZ, as I mentioned, Scalped, all of those things I read, but for some reason, and there's there's no hang-up, it's just, uh, I don't want to say laziness, it's just, uh, again, it just gets put on the back burner, I think about picking up a hardcover and, and going through that way, because I know those are out there, and just for some reason, I just never do, so... Uh, why the last man uh, is my last one. I read the first trade and I don't mm-hmm. think it, um, I don't think I was in the right place to continue it. It just, it, it, it was just off to me. So I, I'd like to give it another shot, but, but, but I'm with you there. I didn't finish it. Wow. Yeah. You want to or you just... I didn't want to. No, I think, okay. I mean, the story was, was fine, but I'm I'm not a huge fan of, Pia Guerra's art. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Mm, okay. No. okay. It's it's too mundane for me. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. All right. I mean, it is what it is. I don't want to say that. It 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 is a there's a uh, there's talent behind the approach, and it it's uh, it just doesn't speak to me at all. It it didn't in, incite me to to keep reading. Sure, sure. I loved it, but I mean, hey, the to each his own. Um, 
Uh, okay. Um, well, my last one, uh, which I did save for last because it is the one I'm most embarrassed about, um, and, and probably the one I'm most likely to uh, fix of these five uh, the fastest. Um, uh, written by Alejandro Jodorowsky, uh, original art uh, by a man named Mobius. Uh, I'm talking about the Inkle. I uh, I haven't read it. I when they came out with the beautiful collection from Humanoids, I remember tr- like calling and emailing fifty different comic stores to get a copy because it sold out immediately. Uh, the hardcover. Um, so I own the hardcover because it was like a quest to get it. So you'd think I would like immediately read it after getting it, but I didn't. And uh, you know, we've talked about some Meta Barons on the show. I've read some of the Meta Baron stuff, but I haven't read Inkle. I haven't read before the Inkle. I haven't read after the Inkle. <laughs> I'm a final inkle, and I and I own them all. I own them all. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of humanoids, as you guys know. I mean, we've talked about Yodorovsky on the show a bunch. Obviously, we all love Mobius, and it's like one of his seminal works. So I I, I got nothing but embarrassment about it, but uh, and no good reason for why I haven't read it yet. No good reason. Oh, that's I I will because I took advantage of the humble bundle. Um, but I'm with you. I I've never read it either. There you go. I Jason, I went on a similar quest when they did those slipcase hardcovers. Yeah, and I remember sitting in a conference room with my old company, just dialing. Uh, yeah, same. <laughs> dialing uh, yeah. comic shops in Massachusetts, and I found one outside of Boston that had one that shipped it to me. Nice. And uh, yeah, uh, but uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I had I I was so excited to read it, but I had a little bit of trouble. I don't know why getting into it. And it took me a second, second reading to sit down and just kind of, kind of go through it. So I, mm. I don't know, again, maybe mindset at the time, but again, uh, I love the humanoids, hardcovers, the, the presentation oh, and, for sure. and have all of those. And, uh, you can't go wrong with, with Mobius, but, uh, no, I had a, a very similar situation cause God, it was hard to find right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the ultimate quest book for a bit. Neat. It's just so cross. <laughs> this is this is a fun little game, aka yeah. kick the fuck out of Vince's nuts. Make, yeah. make Vince cry on a Thursday night. Uh, yeah, but it's not like we're shitting on this stuff. I know. You were like, oh, why? Why? why last you like, you were like, why last man sucked? Like, whatever. I, like, I didn't right. say. I didn't say suck. <laughs> no, you didn't say the book itself. Sucked. I would never. I would. Yeah, if anyone should be offended tonight. It's Pia. Yeah, it's That's true. Right. I think we can all agree. Pia, we apologize. Yes. Well, we do, Vince. The collectively. My last right. one. Um, it's a huge oversight on my part, but I, in my defense, it did or it was published at a time when I did not read any DC other than, say, the the, the House of Mystery, um, House of Secrets, you know, Plop. Uh, the sort. I, I would read the DC oddball books at the expense of their superhero books. And as I told the guys on the Slack, when John Byrne made the transition from Marvel to DC and did Superman, I bought every title DC published because I, I loved Burns Superman so much that he was dropping things and making references that I didn't really understand. So I quickly went back and read new teen Titans because they appeared not long after his uh, run in action. So it's like, Oh, I got to read this. I read all new teen Titans and then it just spiraled out. From there, like Byrne was the catalyst to get me to be a DC fan. But prior to that, it was the weird books that I read. And this was not a weird book. This was a book about superheroes that, by and large, I had no connection with. 
And uh, you probably have guessed it by now. It's Roy Thomas's All-Star Squadron. Mm. Ah. Yep. If I read it uh, in the early 80s, I probably would not have connected with it because the, the, the heroes were unknown to me by and large. And, and just being a fan of Roy, um, his Marvel stuff, I should have read it, but I didn't. And uh, it, it's, I, I consider it a huge blind spot for me that I have not even read a single issue of All-Star Squadron. Oh. Yep. Is it something that we should uh, be on the lookout in the back issue bins in future cons in 2022? Oh, just... I'd, I'd love an entire run of it, but it's ridiculous. There are certain issues of All-Star Squadron that are ridiculously expensive. I don't know why. Uh, one issue of the, the, the battle between Superman and Shazam goes for, like, stupid money. And it may introduce a character that has later gone on to, you know, actually be someone. I don't know. Right. But okay. it's, yeah, I mean, you can get most of them for like four or five bucks an issue. Mm-hmm. But uh, there are a are couple. Are there omnibus of it, though? I no. don't think so. Uh, no. Okay. I haven't read any of it either, full disclosure, but. Yeah, I've investigated that it. That probably I mean, doesn't surprise anybody. My go-to is my comic shop and right. uh, for back issues. And then there's, you know, you'll get your 480, 520, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a string that are just like 13 bucks a piece. And then there's a couple that they don't even have because they're they're uh, in demand and they're expensive. So, well, you know what you do? You should wait until Mile High has one of their huge 60% off sales. <laughs> yeah. Then, then you can go yeah. there and, and you can, instead of paying 900 for it, you can pay 350 for it. Yeah. Right. Which is probably double what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. But you're still getting it on sale. So, yeah. yeah. That's the important thing. Yeah. No matter I st- what the final cost is, the fact that you're getting it on sale. I struggle I, with to this day, do not know who buys from Mile High. I, I, I do not know. understand who buys comics from Mile High. But you know what? I, dealers, I, I don't know. It, I struggle uh, with Lone Star, too. Do you really? Yeah. He's, I mean, that's my comic shop. I don't, oh, he's a, because he's the, a Trumper. Yeah. Oh, oh, I don't mean that. No, I don't mean that. Chuck's no, Chuck is just a Trumper. No, yeah, he's just. No, Chuck's. Yeah. A, a, in fact, tr- Chuck's. Chuck's LGBT, like for real, for real. He's 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 a transvestite. I mean, he's. Uh, no, I'm saying Chuck with just his prices are absurd. I mean, I don't yeah. I like. Oh, he's like, not. He, my idea, my high was. I mean, wait, my, Chuck Rosansky? Yeah, yeah. Dude, hey. Chuck Rosansky is a, is is a, is a transvestite. Oh, his newsletters read like. Oh, because he's just crazy. But I mean, it's, I mean, it's, he, no, dude, Chuck is super liberal, dude. He's oh, a Colorado good. pothead. Dude. All right, I don't feel bad now. Yeah, because no, I don't saying, investigate like, ever, these... like there was a period in my life where I was going to my I was buying a shit ton of back issues from Mile High and Comics Cavalcade and there and and uh, not Mile High I mean um, uh, uh, my comic shop rather and Mile High it always would baffle me because yeah. you know he subscribed to his newsletter he'd be like oh we're running a we just threw the code in we're running fifty percent off all you know <laughs> Avengers <laughs> comics and you'd go yeah. there and it's like you know the first it's like it's like one of the random issues of Atlantis attacks is like you know. Twenty nine dollars on sale for fine, you know, good to fine minus uh, for like sixteen dollars. And you're like, bruh, I could literally get that for fifty cents at the next con I go to. Like, I don't understand who's buying these from you. His 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 crumpled corner reader copies are are priced as if they're fucking CGZ CGC like eight point nines. It's it's crazy. Yeah, but I know I've never Lone Star my comic shop. That's that's um... yeah. No, I maybe I'm, I'm I mean I'm probably I am wrong. But the the newsletters that they send out, it reads like a lot of it reads like you know America propaganda. So I don't. Um, well, I think because they're in Lone Star is more likely because te- I mean I'll, I'll give you that because it's Texas. I, I I don't. I it's been a long time since I've read the newsletter because I don't buy back issues anymore. But um, he was but, pretty yeah. open about 
uh, his his uh, transition in his newsletter. I thought. And, oh, Chuck, uh, you mean? Yeah, Chuck. Yeah, 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 well, that's yeah, good. Yeah, I'm, sure. I mean, I feel good because, like I said, when, when in fact, I Chuck in- was talking. Sorry, not to, but just to follow up on what Jeff's saying, Chuck actually a couple months ago was talking about how he had protesters at his store because he's been doing an open mic night for LGBTQ. Oh, uh, that's uh, good. Like for, for right. uh, like a year or two, and and uh, and like people are protesting and stuff. So now he's 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 down with the cause, man. Well, I feel good. I feel better because, like I said, whenever I need something, boom, my comic shop is the place where I go. No, no, well, you're confusing like, things, bro. Right. Okay, my, com- my comic shop is owned by Lone Star, and that may that dude may be a Trumper. I don't know. So Chuck what's... Rosansky owns Mile High in Colorado. Oh, okay, then I'm not because. All right, then yeah. Good oh, because you still might have issues. Yeah, right. I think I do. Yeah, Low, Lone Star's buddy, um, isn't it Buddy Saunders? What's his name? The guy that that could uh, be right. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Buddy something. Yeah, but right, Lone Star is the LCS that owns my comic shop. Right. Well, yeah. okay then. Yeah, Chuck well, Rosansky owns Mile High Comics. I don't right? get. I don't order from Mile High. I order. No, from, I don't know no. who does. Except right, he yeah. millions right. of dollars a year, so someone does. I don't know who does. I don't. Yeah, we've descended into a. A pit of in madness. Pure yeah, madness. let's just pull ourselves yeah, out of it. It, would, it wouldn't be. It would be weird if it was very structured and, and formal. And that's and, true, right? Well, okay. You know why start now? Yeah, right. It's not a so magazine show. Do, do, are we all through our list? Did we all get? I, did we all finish no. up? No, no. Dap's got his last one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this one's just stupid. This one. This was my number one because it's just it's 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 pure nonsense. Why I I know why I didn't read it when it was coming out, and I know why I have never gone back to it. And I believe Image finally put out a collection not too long ago. It was actually in my um, it was in my shopping cart from uh, from Buds. I just need to add more to it. But um, I have aside from a panel here and there, um, I've never read a full issue. Therefore, I've never read um, American Flag. Oh, okay. What? I know. That's what I was waiting for. What? That was the reaction I was waiting for. <laughs> Seriously, right what? That no. Number one. You're That's... full of shit. Thank you. There's Thank no you way. <laughs> for, wait. For... Everything, everything else I read from first, I can never read You have to be kidding me. Off. It's fucking baffling. It's, it's absolutely. Holy I know you're shit. the only one who would actually feel something for that, but. I don't get it. I really don't. No. Like what? No, I know, dude. It's that... fucking shaking. How did I not? <laughs> Oh my god! I can't explain it. I it's like I found it. out you had a third nut or something. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> oh my goodness! It's the stupidest thing. Times Square, dude. You gotta I read know. it. So good. Plex. All right, that was a whole lot of fun, and we should that all. Was, man. I think we should all give it up to Jeff for suggesting. Yeah, yeah that was a great idea. That was great. That was a great idea. <sighs> but well done, but now we got to talk about some comics, some yes. some some relevant, not relevant, but currently like relevant stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do we got? Should we let our, let our guest speak on it? Sure. Okay. Um, his name came up already. Uh, I'm gonna talk about something uh, from Jeff Lemire. Oh yeah! Now we're talking. Absolutely. Adoring, and that is uh, – I have a couple of things from Lemire, but I'm going to talk about Family Tree. Mm. Um, not sure if anyone else is, is currently reading that. I just uh, read issue seven. But uh, Family Tree is uh, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Phil Hester, Eric Gapster, and Ryan Cody. 
And uh, the the first arc really kind of finished up with with issue five, where um, we had been following uh, Meg, uh, the the daughter who was slowly uh, somehow turning into a tree, and uh, they weren't quite sure what was going on. Uh, the grandfather, um, who was uh, Attached <laughs> at the hand by uh, Meg's father, uh, Darce or Darcy, um, he had uh, been afflicted with the same um, condition, and um, the 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 first arc really follows the family, uh, the mother, um, Josh, the the brother, and, and Meg as they try to figure out what's going on. They they re connect with the grandfather who was estranged and at the end of issue five is when um meg uh plants herself uh in the ground and and they say that this was the day my sister became the first tree it's being narrated by josh and then it jumps five years later um where josh is now this badass machete wielding uh (laughs) commando style guy and uh and you know, the, the scenery earth has been completely taken over by trees. Uh, you know, power lines are down and issues six and, and, and most recently seven jump back and forth between uh, that five years later and, uh, you know, how the family is dealing with what happened with with Meg um, in, in typical Lemire fashion. I mean, there's just it's an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> the, the mother obviously as anyone would if their child turned into a tree uh is is just inconsolable dealing with this uh they really haven't given any indication as to to what's happening um and this i don't know if anyone read uh lemire's run with uh animal man where it crossed over with uh with swamp thing yeah of course yeah yeah Yeah, so I feel like there's a little bit of that swamp thing where there was this like thing going on with the, with the green and, and um, you know, Meg is now that she's been planted. She has access to everyone else who was a tree and they're, they're, they're telling her that she's the first person that's actually gone this far and that they were waiting for her. uh, You know, that she was um, this, this, big thing because they weren't no no one else everyone else had been basically chopped down or or stricken down before they got to this part um so so she's able to communicate with other people uh there's this older woman oracle like person who's kind of walking her through the process she was able to communicate with her father um and you know what i love about this i feel like hester and gapster and and the, the art just to me completely fits with the style of the story and what's going on. Um, you, you see a lot of, of shadow and I don't know some of the, the facial features the what, what um, Hester is doing reminded me of what Latour was doing on Southern bastards. Uh, I don't know why it just, it just seemed like that to me. Uh, but you know, I'm just really, really digging the story. Again, you don't really know what's going on right now. And in issue seven, it starts off in the five years later where somebody is dressed up in a hazmat suit like it's 2020 and they're going to the grocery store and Josh cuts him and he immediately his hazmat suit opens. 
he basically says no and and then springs into a tree just instantly turns into a tree so you know there there's something going on here that's obviously more than what was afflicted you thought maybe it was just the family uh with Meg and the father uh but obviously there's something more going on and uh i i'm just really enjoying uh the tale that Lemire is kind of slowly rolling out here the the grandfather is a is a badass there's this clandestine uh group of people who are following them and and, and going after them uh and he's trying to hold them off while he's still uh, you know repairing things and, and connected to his son um and, you know and I, I think that that's something that's always an undercurrent with Lemire's stories is just family and some sort of uh family connection and and that certainly uh presents itself here and uh you know i don't know at the at the end of issue seven it's it's meg you know consoling her mom saying don't worry i know what's going to happen now it's going to be beautiful and uh you know i'm excited to see where lemire takes it but there's you know there's a little bit of supernatural there's you know dystopian future uh you know there's the 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 estranged family there there's a lot of uh, of different things going on that I, that I'm really enjoying with Family Tree. That's awesome. yeah. I mean, we had you know we had Phil on um, to talk about the book when it was first launching. I I've just read the first Tradesworth. I mean, I've read it in issues, but I've I, but I've only read the first arc. Uh, so I'm, I'm that's that's a hook that that they take a big five year later jump and there's uh, that's and post apoc that now I'm yeah because I mean I enjoyed it uh, you know definitely but. Uh, but you know, you start sprinkling in some post-apocalyptic vein, <laughs> and uh, and I go from like uh, you know, twenty-five uh, cruising to the coffee shop to uh, you know hitting the highway. So uh, no, that's cool. So yeah, what I, was I, the first trade? Just the first four? I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth. I think well, it was. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. I thought it was the first five. I'm getting. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of the it's one of the single issues I I get from the shop, so I I have them all. Um, I I need to. Just get through them, and and I, the way you described it means that uh, I'm kicking myself for just letting them sit here. Yeah, definitely. It does sound really. I mean, we read the the first issue when uh, yes, when yeah, Phil was on, but that yeah. didn't even yeah. give a hint at at what was to come. So yeah, I guess I have to pick up that trade, <laughs> and then some. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. I have to cover this because I put the images in the gallery, and if I don't cover it, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be verklempt. Um, if there was a show, a comic-centric podcast, that did a, an end-of-the-year wrap-up of the best things they read that year and, mm. and gave awards for, for, for merit. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Uh, this, I'm not going to say that you know that we do that, but if there was a show that did that, mm. uh, this book would definitely, without question – be uh, ranking very high on my list should I have made one. Mm. Um, it's masterful. I don't want to use that other M word because then people judge and they're like, okay, they're, they go in with expectations. But it's I think it's a monumental achievement. It's one of those books that um, makes the world go away. It, it draws you into the, the, the narrative with just, just – amazing storytelling that doesn't feel like you are reading a book. It feels like you're experiencing this thing unfold in real time. Uh, it was written and illustrated by Henry McCausland. 
the collected edition is published by Fanographics, but I do believe that Henry released this in uh, chapters, periodical form, uh, whether he self-published it or did it with a small press. I'm not quite sure, but this edition is published by Fanographics. It's everything. It's, it's called Eight Lane Runaways. Uh, if we are to believe silly um, Steven Tyler, life's a journey, not a destination. That, in essence, I know I hate quoting Steven Tyler, but it, sometimes it fits. Uh, in essence, that's the gist of this book. Life is a journey, not a destination. Uh, because So what is this book about? Okay. Uh, one could say it's about bodies in motion through space and time in pursuit of something, whatever that something is varies by character. Uh, for some, it's a sense of accomplishment. For others, it's a search, maybe a struggle, maybe something lost or something gained. It's a very simple story. I mean, there's eight random characters. They don't know each other going into this. Uh, well, seven characters in a satellite. One character appears very early in the story and returns not long before the story's end. Um, so, But they gather to race. There's this track, an eight-lane track, and there's eight characters. Um, and the object of the race is to carry a stick across the finish line. That's it, right? But a couple steps into the race, the stick is stolen by one of the eight characters, the satellite named Bruce. Uh, or he tries to steal the uh, the stick because he's an undercover runner. He's working with this group called the Pine Needles. Uh, when all the characters come onto the track early in the book, you see these, this group of people uh, in the distance hiding behind this wall. And they all have the same hoodie on. <laughs> it's got a diamond on it with a, a, a stylized pine tree in it. The, the Pine Needles, get it? Um, and Bruce has a diamond on his hoodie, but there's nothing in the center of it. Because he hasn't earned his stripes, so to speak. But uh, it's implied that Bruce was working with the Pine Needles to sabotage the race. Um, and he, he, he had second thoughts. So one of the Pine Needles takes the stick and runs away with it. And Bruce is like, to the, the remaining seven characters, don't worry about it. I'll go get it. You guys just keep running. And that's what they do for the book. They just run. And, it, and that may sound incredibly boring to to the uninitiated, but it's it's the it just evidences the 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 maestro that Henry McCausland is because yes, these characters just run, but what they encounter on the run is the entire book. Like you you have a character named Michael Julden, and that scans to the eye to me as Michael Jordan. Uh-huh. Right? You have this character named Oplo. All this guy wants to do is find his missing cats. And he's running. So he'll encounter more people and cover more distances and more places in order to ask more people if they've seen his cats. And the book frequently descends, or ascends in my opinion, into the absurd. Because... Oplo has a backpack, and the backpack is festooned with strings, just strings, right? And the strings trail off to other parts of the world. He calls it his help network. If someone on the other end 
of the string needs assistance, they pull on it, and for any reason, he'll come running to help them. And the inverse is also true. So he, he got into this thing in order to find his cats, but he really, he just wants to help people and and, and hopefully find his cats. Like, it, it's absurd that you would have a runner with a backpack that has strings that go off into the distance. Like, he's he's on a track, but he's running and these strings follow him. Like, it's it's bizarre. The more you think about it, the less sense it makes, like, in the physical world, but in this conceptual world, it makes total sense, right? Um, there's a, a woman named Blaise Ayonnaise. She works on a train. And she doesn't factor too much into the, the big picture, but there's a, a sequence where she's she has to go to work. And she runs across the landscape. And McCausland details her her passage across this distance, right? And it looks like a, a comic book version of Edward Mewbridge's The Human Body in Motion, if you've ever seen that. It's a book on which illustrators rely. It, it, it's like a guy throwing a javelin, and there'll be maybe 10 pictures of the guy throwing the javelin, like with his arm up and then a little more, a little more. It's just basically a visual reference for illustrators to to ply their trade, right? But this comic looks like that. Like it shows her running across the landscape and there'll be maybe 10, 12 images of her in one panel of her just traipsing across the landscape, going up over hills and down over, you know, valleys and across things and jumping. And it's it's just beautiful. And it's it's one panel that is sequential art within the confines of one panel. But when you, you, you stack them up, it's amazing. And And the thing about the book that I haven't mentioned is wherever the track is, there's land on both sides of it, obviously. And McCausland will draw seemingly hundreds of people just doing things in the the, the image. Like there'll, there'll be a bunch of people playing, you know, basketball, or there'll be some other people fishing or, or flying a kite, or you get to see... It's not just the book is not isolated to the the world of the track. It's the world that goes beyond the track too. Like there's living beings just living out their life lives, as well as being around this this track. Like it's a bird's eye view into an environment, not just seven characters running on a track. You get a, a glimpse into this entire world. It's insane how many little figures are in this book. There's one double-page spread where a guy is golfing and he hits the ball and it bounces on the top of a building and bounces to another building and bounces to another building then back and then over and you get to see the dotted line like a Rube Goldberg type thing but the ball interacts with all these characters in, on its way to the end point. And you get to see the effects of this ball that has on all these characters. That, I guess, in, in essence, is the, 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 the theme of the book, that the, um, the lives of these people interact with the lives of other people in this world. And it's just amazing. And it, there's a, a woman named Coca-Cola. And her, her name is spelled K-H-O-K-L-A-K-O-L-A. And she has a sentient poncho. She was found in the thing as a baby, and she's relied on it ever since. But what the, the coat does is the, 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 the breast of the coat will have images on it that shift 
and and transform like it the coat tells her what to do like it'll show there's one part where where they're they're at a a, a pause in the, in the run and a, a train is there's a train station cuz um Blaze ANAs works on the train and the the coat tells her to get on the train like it makes a a pictogram that suggests that she gets on the train and Coca-Cola she follows the 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 coat without question like she doesn't contradict the quote at all until one point in the story and i won't i won't say anything cuz i think a big part of this book is discovering the magic behind the narrative and i don't want to spoil it cuz that would be dickish and but th- herein lies the problem like how do you get somebody to pick this book up if i told you what happens you'd be like oh shit i'm getting this book but in order for me to do that i'd have to spoil a major part of the story for you. You know what I mean? So it's like, how do you, this is one of those books that if I let you in on the inner secrets of this book, the joy of experiencing them fresh will be lost. And I think that would be a bigger crime than, than just tipping my hand and saying, you just get this book because bang, go down the list. That's no, you need to experience this book yourself. Um, there's a, a young man named Fredo. He believes he's a frog. Doesn't speak. Very tall guy wears this weird hat, like a, a bandana on his head that has these graphic uh, things on the side that suggests frog eyes. But he doesn't speak. And and some of the characters that know him or have experience with him, the one one of the characters didn't. Is like he's like, what? He's a frog. And they're like, oh no 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 no, he is a frog. Like they 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 play into his little. And is he a frog? Or I'm not going to say, right? But I, one one of the most compelling characters for me was this young lady named Natalie Way, and she entered the, the the race in order to finish, because what she does is she makes she has a, a cape, well she she'll make patches for herself. With every accomplishment, she makes herself like a like a, a merit badge in Girl Scouts or something. She makes herself a patch and she sews it to the cape. And she entered the race because this is her last race and she wants that patch. That's her only reason for entering the race. But what happens to her along the course of the race is amazing. And it's the last panel is just it it'll it'll grip your heart. It's so beautiful. But I'm not gonna tell you, right? Uh, some of the things that happen in the book, they, uh, the, our group crests a large hill, extremely large hill. And I got to give McCausland credit because when he shows the, the, the number of panels leading up to the peak of the hill, you see the characters on the lower end and they're all full of energy and they're going up and they're like, yeah, mid range up the hill, they're breathing heavy and they're a little hunched over by the time they crest that hill they are doubled over like it's just smart sequential storytelling it's amazing right but the the reason why they they get to the top of the hill and they they see this group of people and they're flying a kite and like hey what's going on here these people want to send a manned kite mission to the moon it's ridiculous right they want to fly a man to the moon with a kite and the reason why they're on this large hill is they need to find bigger hills in order to better facilitate their plan. Like, what? It makes no sense. But in this world, it does, right? There's a Juice Institute 
presided over by this very hirsute man. Could be a guy in a bear costume, a real fuzzy bear costume. Could be just a hairy dude. I don't really know, right? Uh, and, and he's very happy because he has a drink that is comprised of every fruit known to man. Every berry, every fruit is in this thing, including poison berries. And he plans to drink it on his deathbed. He doesn't know whether it's going to kill him. He doesn't know whether it's going to give him superpowers. He just plans to drink it on his deathbed. That's all. Like, it's this book is amazing. It's just all these characters interacting with each other. There's no threat. Um, I guess maybe you can, you know, conceive of the lost stick being a threat. I, I don't know, getting the stick back. But it's just pure entertainment and all these characters just interacting with each other and the things that happen to each other on the way. You got a kid named Bobby Blackberries who has a black smear across his eyes. And he was always told that he fell into a boil, a bowl, a bowl of boiling hot blackberries as a kid. And he gained this outrageous running ability because he fell into this boiling hot bowl of blackberries. And the truth is far more complex and psychedelic. And again, I'm not going to ruin it, but it will, it will ignite your imagination. It will instill you to think things and to try and maybe manipulate your life in ways that you would experience other things other than the same old path to work. And the weird thing about it is this is a track. In the beginning, they're handed the stick and there's the starting line, right? The track doesn't loop back. It's not like, you know, your, your, your oval shaped track that, you know, goes back on itself and you, you end at the starting point. This track just keeps on going. It's insane. Like, so how do they, like, where do they live? How do they get home? None of that's really mentioned. They just seem to exist for the sake of running on this track and telling their story. It's an amazing freaking book. I cannot praise this thing more. It, it, I could, but it, we, we'd take another two, hour, two hours to do it. it, it again, it's called Eight Lane Runaways. By far, a major contender if there was a show that did a, uh, an awards show at the end. Henry McCausland, Fanographics book. Holy crap, is it good. If only there was a show like that. I know. We, someone should make one. It's true. To get on it. You need, you need to read this thing. The, it looks the, fantastic. The detail is unbelievable. Um, just every inch of... It's like a Where's Waldo almost. Every inch of the... the it's a larger you know, magazine size hardcover. Every inch of, of the, the, the panel space is just loaded with visual information. Mm. It's just amazing. Yeah. I think it would be life-changing for some people. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I read it two and a half times. I, I was I just I started it again today. It's it's great. I would love to read it every day of my life. It's that good. God dang. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Dropping some knowledge on us. Alright, player. Yep. Well shit. Okay then. So glad I bought it. There you go. Take it away. How can we follow that? You just said it's gonna change people's lives. I Seriously. believe I believe it will. Oh, I understand you believe it, but how how's anyone supposed it's, to It's just it's a now? weird environment because we're all so motivated by the the things that we do every day. Gotta get up at a certain 
point of time. Got to get to work. Got to work. Got to come home. Got to eat dinner. Got to, you know, mm-hmm. spend time with the kids. This is the antithesis of that. These are just characters running on a track. Like they don't seem to, well, um, the mayonnaise has a job or A&A's, sorry, but it doesn't seem like any of them, like, like they don't, they're not punching clocks is what I'm saying. I, right. I, I, so if, if you just sit and think like, how do these people live? I, I don't think that's the point of this book. It's, it's just, it's, it's an environment in which is completely anathema to, to modern life. And I think the book is better for it. It's just a laid back, introspective look at what it means to progress through existence. I love it. Yep. That's nice. Awesome. Yep. When are you sending yeah, me our, when are you sending us our copies? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It was solicited a couple months back. You could have ordered your own damn copies, but Wow. Okay. I, don't know. I mean yeah. it's gonna change my reason why I'm not gonna read I may have the remedy for your what ails you there, Jeff. We'll talk mm. after the show. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Speak on it. Uh, that sounds good. Well, Jason was, of course, out last week, so I'm dying to find out what he's been reading. Well, it's like every other week at this I point, know, right? I know. Here so we go. Let's, here let's we go. The, okay. That's why yeah. you know. That's why he takes off so he can come back and read and tell us what he's read. Seriously, and he goes away again. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's me. Um, well, listen, I got to talk about this book because I don't think anyone else on the planet would. Um, so I got to give it its its shine. Uh, no, no, I'm sure plenty of people are talking about that, and I haven't, I haven't been reading it. I mean, I, I'm getting the issues, but I, I'll, I'll read it when it's done. Just let it be what it is. Um, no, this was written by uh, a man who Vince said he has uh, acknowledged he hasn't read all of his stuff, but uh, has been reading his Marvel stuff. Mr. Jonathan Hickman, uh, and incredible, jaw-dropping, gobsmacked, I need some of it, art by Mr. Rod Rice. Uh, I'm speaking about Giant Size X-Men Phantom X number one. It is a one-shot. It is the third in a continuing series of uh, giant size X-Men one-shots surrounding different characters that Hickman has done. Now, they all are technically supposed to be connected into a broader narrative uh, surrounding Krakoa, but I'll be honest with you. um, I mean, I've read all three so far. I I don't understand how this comic ties into any of the other stuff, Uh, but, you know, that's that's Hickman for you. He'll 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 answer that question at some point. We'll say, oh, shit, it was. but listen, I, I don't know. I can't say definitively that I'm the world's largest Phantom X fan, but I can say that I'm certainly up there. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is about the character. I just have always been drawn to him. Um, and I think this comic was a love letter to those of us who love Phantom X and are steeped in his history. Uh, and that's why I say I, I don't know. I don't know if this comic like has strong mass appeal because um, I think it assumes or presumes that you already know a decent amount of Phantom X's history. Um, and maybe that's a fair presumption, because why would you buy a one-shot about Phantom X if you weren't already into the character? I don't know. Um, luckily for me, I am well-versed in his history, uh, and so I loved it. Um, now, I, I, as much as I worship at the altar of Hickman as a writer, this comic would not, this one-shot would not be what it, what it was, which was fantastic to me, uh, without Rod Rice. Uh, he just he's he just puts in work here. Um, and the reason he had to do what he did as a painter is that uh, a good chunk of this issue takes place in the world. 
Um, for you non-ex-nuts, the world is um, a pocket space. You know, domain. Call it, it's not. It's it's a, like a it's a it's a place that exists outside of time and space as we know it, um, and it's part of the long and storied and jumbled history of the Weapon Plus projects, which are all loosely tied to the government trying to make super beings. Um, the web, it was intru- it was a con- the concept of the world was introduced by Grant Morrison during his fantastic new X-Men run, uh, as was Phantom X. Grant introduced Phantom X at the same time. Uh, and this, this, this is a time shifting book. Um, we basically get a look at, uh, every, we get, we get a, a one or two day look into Phantom X's life, uh, for five straight decades. Um, and I think that um, uh, it was pretty neat because I guess I'm not surprised that Phantom X ages very slowly, but I don't know that we've ever known that to be the case. Um, and basically what it shows is it, it, it takes, it takes us into um, it's the book starts with Phantom X wearing a red beret and uh, hanging out with the uh, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos. And he is leading the Howling Commandos into the world. And uh, they have to do some fighting. And um, it becomes quickly apparent that they, the Nick, Nick Fury and Helen Commandos think they're there on a mission. And they are. But it was carefully orchestrated by Phantom X just so he could use them as cannon fodder to distract all of the natural defenses of the world. So he could sneak out within the world and meet with someone. And who he's meeting, and this is the big the big spoiler reveal for those of you who, who are haven't yet read it but are dying to uh, probably fast forward um phantom x has a twin brother and um they were separated at birth phantom x was cast out of the world as an anomaly because they both had identical dna and uh in this dna factory where the weapon plus program was growing beings that was totally unusual so they threw phantom x out into the real world and he became what he is uh, and his brother, his twin brother, stayed in the world. And so Phantom X is going to visit him. And he's going to visit him because he's trying to talk his brother, and they're probably in their 20s at this point, to leave the world and come back with him to the quote-unquote real world. And his brother's like, nah, I'm not trying to hear it. I'm good. Like, I got I got stuff to do here. I got to take care of the youngins. Like, there's people that need my protection. Like, I'm good. Like, peace out, bro. So, and that's that, right? Then we flash to 10 years later, and he is uh, he's convinced the Hellfire Club that they need to get up in there because there's untold riches and power for them. So same deal. He gets the inner circle, of the hellfire club and all their hellfire club soldiers to come into the world with him. And they're immediately attacked by a bunch of different, like there's, there's alien looking creatures and these sentinels. And um, it's, it's, it's straight out of, of, of Morrison's view of it, which is like anything can happen in the world. It's an artificial environment, I should say. And so like time and space, don't exist in normal ways. You can, you can be there and like age super fast. It's a, it's, it's a place where basically the laws of physics don't apply in the ways that we know them. Um, so yeah, so he, he brings the hellfire club in and, and same deal. Like he's really just bringing them in so that they can like battle the, the defenses and he can sneak off to find his brother, finds him again. They have a similar conversation. His brother's like, nah, I'm good, dude. Peace. Um, and this keeps happening. Um, he then, decade later brings this group called the humongonauts which i think are a brand new i think hickman and rice created them for this they were pretty pretty wacky almost like doom patrol-esque really avant-garde uh super-powered characters uh including one named emotapool which is a dude with a giant emoji face 
So I think that was him just having a little fun. And same deal, like they go and and he he goes to try and find his brother. And this time, the, the actually the uh, the humongous get killed, they get massacred. Um, and his brother's still not having it. And it just seems like Phantom Exit, and it's just the cycle repeats and repeats um, until we are brought to the point where Phantom X talks Cyclops, Slim, and Wolverine to go into the world with him. Now, those of you who read the new X-Men run know that that is, that happens. Like, so it's basically retelling that very same story only from a very different lens because in the new X-Men, it's seen as a mission. They're going in there for a lot of things, not the least of which is so Wolverine can find out more about his past. Cause again, Wolverine is weapon X weapon 10 of the weapons plus program. Uh, Phantom X is, uh, is weapon um, 13. So they're from the same programs. Uh, so in the new X-Men run of this, like it's, it's a straight up linear adventure. They go in and it's really about Wolverine trying to find some clue about his past. Um, in this it's again, frankly, what's awesome about it is it's retcons. It's basically another chance where Phantom X is just bringing them in as fodder. Like he sells them on that idea, but it's just so he can again, sneak off and find his brother. But this time when he finds his brother, as we know, if you read the new X-Men, uh, his brother is Ultimaton. Now, if you are a hardcore X fan, you know that Ultimaton is Weapon 15 and another creation of Grant Morrison. And he has been in the comics since. But Ultimaton is, looks very much like a giant sentinel, kind of like a cross between a celestial and a sentinel. Uh, he's got godlike powers. He lives in the world. and is basically the ruler of the world, the protector of the world. Well, it turns out that that is what Phantom X's brother has evolved into. And remember... Even though for Phantom X, this is every 10 years in the world, like hundreds of years are going by, like like thousands of years, like like things are evolving within the world every time he visits. So his brother has evolved into this godlike being and his brother doesn't even really remember him. He he remembers that he has some connection to Phantom X. But he doesn't remember him and he asks him, are you real or are you in my imagination? He's just he's pretty much not his brother anymore. Um, and that's kind of how it ends, like where, where Phantom X is kind of bummed because his brother has just evolved into something that's not even resembling a sibling anymore. Um, so I loved it. I mean, I thought it was just a really brilliant look into the history here and tying in some of these disparate adventures that Phantom X had. And it also makes you realize that he's always been very selfish and self-serving. Um, uh, but I, I, I also put the book down and thought, like, if you're not like a super hardcore Phantom X guy, like th- this book was going to be baffling to you. You're going to be like, why did I read this? So I give it two huge thumbs up and I'm thrilled that it exists, but I can't like in good conscience tell any of you out there listening that you should read this book unless you too are a massive, massive fan of Phantom X, the character and, or more specifically that Morrison, uh, um, quietly, you know, uh, uh, and, and others, um, Corday and such, uh, new X-Men run. Cause, cause it's really a, an homage to that pretty much. It's a fle- further fleshing out of that. Um, but I dug it, thought it was dope. And I thought Rice just, it looked great. I mean, Rice got, I talk about a fun job, right? In 30 pages, he gets to, or maybe more than 30 pages, but in a one shot, he gets to draw World War II era Nick Fury and Howling Commandos. He gets to draw Sentinels, Aliens, Monsters. He gets to draw um, Psych and Wolverine. And then he gets to do a whole new team of like Dada esque heroes or. or you know, characters, and then he gets to draw the Hellfire Club. I mean, a lot of work, a lot of different visual aesthetics, but uh, I think he pulled it off with a plum. I certainly, I think he's digital. I mean, I know he does, I just got commissioned from him, but I, I think he does his comics work digitally. 
which is going to bum me out. But in case right. he didn't, I really do hope that. But I think he does. Uh, but yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And uh, again, if you're an X Men fan, uh, definitely check it out. It was my favorite of the three giant size so far, by far. I thought the Nightcrawler one was pretty bad, actually. But um, that's but yeah, by Davis, right? Yeah, it was drawn by Alan Davis. Yeah, and actually, you're plotted by him, uh, co-plotted by him. But I, yeah, I didn't care for it. Um, uh, in any event, uh, yeah. So, so Giant Size X Men Phantom X number one, um, and and I'm I'm probably the only podcaster that's ever going to talk about that book. That's not an X Men podcast. True. I guess there are, there are those. They do exist. That's true. I wanted to laugh really loud when you were just like, I just got a commission from him. Like him and 99,000 other artists. I know. I know. It's like, yeah. hold on. Wait, really? And actually, my commission is in someone else's hands. I actually got two commissions from him, but uh, um, Schachter mailed us the wrong stuff. He mailed me the one. He mailed me the guy. He swapped boxes. So, Oh, what did you end up getting? I it's sitting right over there. I, I two weeks ago I opened it before I went on vacation. I I can't tell you. It's I, maybe when someone else talks, I go and grab so it. So it wasn't it wasn't a domino. Oh yeah. no! Oh, I thought you meant what did like I ended up getting from the other guy. No, no, I got um I got Domino and Phantom X Room. Gotcha. No, I did mean what you get from the other guy. Yeah, but yeah. So you knew it wasn't yours when it wasn't a domino and a Phantom X. I knew it wasn't mine before I got it because Schachter hit me up and said, "Hey, I think I mailed you guys the wrong thing." Oh, nice. So, that was good. Yeah. 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 So that's good because I I did open it up carefully to make sure it wasn't mine, but I it's I can basically mail it to the guy in the same packaging, which is convenient. Sweet. Sweet. So I know you guys are clamoring to read that, so sorry I spoiled it, but you know what? I'm not gonna front. It does look really good. But Well, Rice is great. I mean he's a big he's Peep, I think people will enjoy the art, but I, I, I totally get, and I saw a few online reviews or like in our, I, I totally get people like, I have no idea what the hell this book was about. Cause it's like, I mean, as I, I mean, let me ask you guys. I mean, I know you, oh, I always forget. I think you both read the new X-Men run, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not so I knew you didn't do it in entirety, but I know you have that. Um, but do you guys remember or know who, like when I said Ultimaton, did that mean anything to you? No. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Um, and the I, one little nitpick I will have about this book, and, and, it, and this is nitpicky because we know how meticulous Hickman is, Eva is not in the book at all. I don't know how that's possible. It's his, it's his central nervous system. I don't know how. But anyway, we're going yeah, deep. I have, a, deep cut. I have it coming in my next box. Oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no. No. Sorry, we're man. all good. All right. All right. No. Okay, nice. I, I don't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday, so I'm not going to remember. What right? I yeah. Whenever these guys spoil something, I'll be like, yeah, I'm probably going to forget that tomorrow. Pop quiz. Who is weapon, who is weapon one of the program? Why do I know this? I, I, I shit. Oh, you can slap yourself. I don't know. Captain, Captain America. Project Rebirth was weapon one. Yeah, that doesn't count. That's, no. that's, that's it does, bullshit. Of course it counts. No, no it doesn't. What not, you... not all not all retcons are good. Yeah, dude, that it makes all the sense in the world. No, nope, uh-huh. does not. It does too. You could say that, but it doesn't make <laughs> yeah, it true. Really, Vince, you're really not going to like a weapon for us. The Hulk, because he tried to replicate the super no, soldier man thing. That's fucked up. Yeah. Get out of yeah, here. That's, that's no, I, I, I do <laughs> admit. Like pulling no, like, Ted, yeah, let's make him number eight. At least no, you know that's plausible no. because Ted Salas was. Developing That's a super serial, yeah, yep. yeah, but right, he wasn't Weapon Four really, but he was the outcome of the project. yeah. But to yeah. put a number on him and call him Weapon Four, I'm gonna kill somebody. 
<laughs> Vince is breaking something after this episode. Seriously. Well, you know who Weapon 5 is? Weapon 5. Venom. Wow. That was that was from uh that was that was that story was told by um Donnie Cates and Ryan. That was a retcon they did. We should just stop. How do you no. Is that, that now we're like we're just gonna like yeah. how is how is Wolverine, who is so old, the tenth, but Venom it no it all happened in the world, dude. Oh, okay. Yeah, the world. <laughs> you know who Weapon Six is? This is fun. No, maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe it's Luke Cage. Okay. Uh-huh. So wait. So so, what about Patriot's grandfather? Like, is he Weapon Zero? Because he was the first Captain America. Like, how? That's a good like, question. Just... Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, John Steele actually is Weapon Zero. I mean, if Captain America's a Weapon One, it it would make sense. I'm glad at least they're smart enough to realize that. Yes, that's correct. Um... I thought Wolverine was a dog. He was. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no. If Man Thing's Weapon 4, weapon Wolverine's a damn nuke. dog. What? Weapon 7 is Nuke. Okay. Uh, weirdly enough, uh, Weapon 8 doesn't have any retcon yet. Um, weapon 9 is... I just like it because you guys are going to be saying, what? Weapon 9 is Typhoid Mary. <laughs> and it just, it just makes shit up. I love it, right? It's awesome. And, and Liefeld said that it was supposed to be Deadpool, but they changed it, <laughs> which would have made more sense, actually. Um, obviously, Weapon 10 is Wolverine. Weapon 11 is, and this is not retcon, this is how it was presented, was uh, was Garrison Kane. You know? Yeah, I remember that. But weirdly, though, goes by Weapon X, so it's kind of weird, like Weapon 11 by Weapon X, but whatever. Um, weapon 12 is the Huntsman, which was a Grant Morrison thing that was introduced uh, by Grant Morrison, because... Um, um, what's um, Phantom X's given name is Charlie Cluster Seven, and uh, Huntsman was Zona Cluster Six. Weapon Thirteen being Phantom X. Weapon Fourteen is the Stepford Cuckoos, who are you know the Esme and 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 the you know the, yep. the X. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, like I said, Fifteen is Ultimaton, and then Sixteen is All God. So there's all your weapons. Yeah. I feel like a more well-rounded comic book reader now. Oh, yeah. I love it because I knew it could put you guys on tilt, the red comic. <laughs> I, I love the way Remender wrote uh, Phantom X and the X-Force. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, split, his, split, split himself apart, you know, male and a yeah. female. They both were into having sex with Psylocke, and yeah, for sure. So is, is Psylocke now Asian again? No, because no, other Sarah, way around. Sarlacc wasn't Asian. Sarlacc was a British girl, right? But, the, but 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 the Asian whose body she took over, she's she's on. Oh, um, because I saw cover, a, right? a promo for an X book, and Sarlacc was on the cover. Well, the Asian Sarlacc was on the cover, and I'm like, wait a minute, didn't they turn her back to Betsy? And so, because I, I have no idea what's going on in the X books. Well, remember, so under in the Hickman world now, all X all mutants can come back to life. Right. So they've been systematically bringing everybody back. So Revanche was the name of the Japanese mutant who Betsy's bot inhabited her body. So Revanche is back as well. Cool. Dap, what'd you read? Absolutely one of hands down the best things I've read in a very, very wow. long time. Wow. I am I 
I sat down, I read this, and I I smiled on every single page. Everything about this just it it tick, it is something that I think everyone I absolutely believe that everyone should read this. Not everyone is going to enjoy it as much as I did, but beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is why I love comic books. I love comic strips. I love, I mean, you know, you have your Deadpools who can break the fourth walls. You have your She-Hulks who can break the fourth walls. Yeah, that's fun, all well and good. Mr. Invincible, local hero, is everything I love about this medium. This this character is, um, it's, it's a translated comic. It's, it was, um, it was published by, um, by Magnetic, uh, originally published in, um, in 2017 under its original French title, um, in Battelle, which, um, I probably fucked up, but it stands for unbeatable in, in the English translation is, is unbeatable. Mr. Invincible is just that he can't be beaten, but what he does and he does extremely well is he it's very hard to explain without actually seeing it um but what he does is he he can um he can move between comic panels uh on the page so if if um if he's in his kitchen and he takes out a uh carton of juice and he looks down in the second row of panels and sees some um some hooligans about to rough up um a child, he will then jump down from the third panel in the top strip into the third panel on the second strip and take care of the bad guys. When someone pulls out a gun later on on the page in the bottom row of panels, when Mr. Invincible has that gun, he'll be able to shoot one of the BB pellets up into the third row panel. And and it's just, it's I love, and, and I, I'm reading each page and I'm looking to see where hey, like Pascal Usulin does not. It, it, there really are no mistakes. It's I'm I'm looking for. Th- it, it's kind of like you know watching Billy go home on a Sunday strip. It's like I'm trying to see if if there was if he may have flubbed the the science a little bit, and and I haven't been able to to find one on on any page yet. But it 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 just he when he has to find a missing painting. Uh, he ends up, you know, because he finds it by the end of the strip, he's able to keep passing the painting along up further up in, in onto the page as the panel. So it, it's, it's, it's always been right there, even though you missed it in the previous panel. I love it when they take the medium, take the page, take the panels and, and just tell the story within that page. If something happened, you find out later on in the book, if something falls off a panel at the bottom of the page, you can't, it, it's not going to show up on the next page. It, it's, it's gone. It's, it's gone into the abyss. If it's at the bottom of the page, you can't. So if Mr. Invincible were to hop around through panels, he can't do it at the bottom of the page because then he's gone. So he knows exactly where he is at any given time. There's a character he introduces called 2D and 2D has the ability to, um, if he's standing on a street and he's able to look at a lamppost or a car parked at the next block over. Um, he has the ability to pick up that car 
and bring it to him. But now the car is the same size it was in the background as he brought it to the foreground. And and he's able and, – and so he and Mr. Invincible team up to take on the bad guys. There's a, there's a bad guy called the Jester who's able to actually move between pages. And, and Pascal writes these stories where you, you think – the way it's written is – you don't think something seems out of order when you're reading it, but when you turn the page and you see what the jester was doing from the other side of the page, peeking into the previous panel, the way the, the, the way the dialogue is written, the way everything is said, the way the people are having the conversations, it all just makes sense. It, it, it is so, I don't want to say meticulously done, but it is, it's, there, there's an absolute care and a, a, um, a level of, of, of love that is so evident to me at least. And, and there's a, there's one page where, and I love, I love the format cause it's magnetic. So it's got the rounded corners, but there's a, um, there's one story where a ray gun, um, there's an evil professor of course, but, but he has a ray gun, which ends up getting goes off and there's a die cut in, in one of the stories and, and the die cut, is on the is basically the the right hand side very small right hand side of the page and it disappears and you see mr invincible walking down the street and when you turn the page even where the die cut is the die cut still makes sense because of what is shown on the previous like i said it's it's very hard to visualize if someone's trying to explain it to you you really need to see it there's there's a um there's a fold-out page because the professor has a machine that can actually um, split off reality. There, there, there's one reality or another, and um, you actually see the two realities happening because there's a uh, there's a gatefold that that pulls out. It is the cartooning is very much like a um, like a newspaper strip, like uh, like Mort Drucker with Bailey or or um, or High and Lois, where you have. Uh, um, even maybe um, Tom Baddick with, with, with Funky Winker Bean. It's just it's it's a very clean comic strippy look, uh, but it's it's a gorgeous looking presentation. It is it's it's it really did just make me so happy when I saw it solicited. I had to have it, and I had an idea what it would be like. But as I'm reading each each story, and most of the collection contains one page strips there are a couple that go on a couple of pages there's actually a a continuation from one when 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 he takes on the jester um mr invincible's friend is jean-pierre who's who's a um who's a police captain he uh sorry the chief rather he he's reading the um when he shows up and it's hot out mr invincible says okay i'll go get ice um well, I'll, I, I don't have any in the freezer right now, but let me go to the Antarctic. So he has, he hands Jean-Pierre a book, an encyclopedia, and he turns to the section on the Arctic. And, and as he's talking and out loud, because Pascal draws the Arctic, Mr. Invincible walks across the panel border and goes to the Arctic and starts chiseling some ice, but then a polar bear shows up. And then the polar bear... Mr. Invincible start fighting back in Mr. Invincible's living room because the panels break through. It's just, it's, I had so 
so much fun with this. I seriously recommend this to every single person um, that that uh, that can hear my voice. It is it is one of my. It's not. It is. It's really. Some people are going to find it childish. Some people are going to find it like that's not. This isn't entertaining to me at all. I pity those people, but this is one hundred percent one of my absolute favorite things I've read this year, without a doubt. This damn, damn thing is hurting my I head. Like to hear that excitement in you. I like excitement. It's fired up now. It's seriously my head. Is, it's like watching an episode of Doctor Who. The, <laughs> it's a sixteen-panel grid, oh, you right? Just lost me. Now, nah, shit, now. Nah. It's a, it's a 16 panel grid in the top yep. panel. He's vacuuming and he yep. knocks a, a, a vase off yes. a table. Yes. And in yes. the bottom, in, in the second tier of panels, he throws himself a pillow up yep. to the first tier to catch the, the vase from breaking. And then he thanks himself. He looks on the third panel down at himself on the fourth panel and he's like, thumbs up on the bottom and the top. He's like, hey, thank you. My head hurts. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, it looks a little like Roger Langridge to me. Okay, yeah, no, I can see that. A little bit, a little bit. No, it um, looks really cool, but man, when they start messing with spatial, space, oh, space and time like that, it's like, what? Oh, no, because it's great, cause he know, but he knows, he knows he is in a comic strip, because he, he's even telling people, you know, don't worry about it, we'll catch him on the next page. And, and the people around him don't understand the world they're living in. They don't know they're on a comic page, but... So Mr. there's there's two instances of him simultaneously. Yes, yes. It does not compute. <laughs> it's just weird. But I like it, but it, yeah, so it's making it's, my head fuzzy. You can go to Magnetic Press and look at preview pages. There are, um, and you can go to our website because there'll be some there too. on um, on Comicsology where where you can buy um, issues of of this collection. But um, apparently, Pascal had. Um, the, the Mr. Invincible, or at least originally, um, uh, and Batel was um, was published in the pages of Spiro Magazine, which oh, is a nice. throwback to the, oh, nice. yeah, that I was talking about before. But yeah, it's um, I, I I I can't wait to see more of this. This this originally was published in in 2017 and 2018. I don't know if there's more. Um, I haven't seen any solicited recently, but. Um, I hope it is, but yeah, and it's it's a beautiful spot varnish cover, Vince. Oh, nice! Cool looking cover. Magnetic knows what's up. Um, but it is. It's apparently it's the winner of uh, the Bologna, the Bologna Ragazzi Comics Award uh, in 2020. That's my game. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> they, they they say the book is is designed for um, middle grade readers, which is probably why it's so appealing to me. But it is, <laughs> uh, it's 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 right at my level. It is. It's it's so much fun. I had this is. Yeah, if um, when when you post, you know, the best thing I read this week. That this is my. I mean, it's it's tough because I mean, you know, there are other things I read this week which I absolutely adored, but mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no, nothing hit me in the feels the way the way this did. I, I, I I'm dancing in my seat as I was reading it. Yeah, it definitely it's looks like good so stuff. Yeah. It is. It's, it's so much fun. Thank big ups for recommending it. I'm gonna check this out. Yeah, I love it. I love the excitement. Glad. Nice. All right, you fools. This has been another one of these, another 11 o'clock comics. Um, if you would be so kind, uh, check out our Twitter and our Reddit and our Instagram and our Facebook pages because there's more of this out there than just the audio stuff. And uh, take a peek at our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Um, 
do, by all means, I should really get this down. I've been practicing. Uh, solicit our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, because they got the Conan. The Osrar and the Aaron Conan for seventeen dollars and forty nine cents. Nice scumbag number one, dollar ninety nine, and from DC Wonder Woman Dead Earth the hardcover fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents. In your travels, I'm begging, and I'm pleading with everybody to run to your local comic shop and get your hands. On an anthology. Not only an anthology, it's a flipbook anthology. What? Seriously. Two stories published by Antarctic Press. It's called Sci Fi Double Feature Off World. Why would I promote this book so heavily? Because the stories, ah, they're pretty run of the mill. You have one called Interstellar Dust, which is uh, a, a giant prison transport. And I've read issues one and two. So far, we're just getting glimpses into the backstory of all the prisoners. The second story is called Hazel. And in this environment, the haves and the have-nots have come to a point where the haves live above the ground. The have-nots live below. And there is a uh, strike force team called Deep Block Terror Squad that polices the Undercity for 'er ne'er-do-wells. So in terms of of groundbreaking sci-fi, neither of them are, right? They're just pretty standard stories, enjoyable, but but standard. But the art on these things needs to be experienced, especially. I I lean a little towards the Hazel story, but um, on Interstellar Dust... The art is by Igor Wolski, and on Hazel, art duties were done by Colin Fogel. The art is absolutely astounding, and both take a different approach. Um, Fogel's art is fully painted, very stylized, very sexy, um, and Wolski's art is very linear, very thin line. Um, not going to say Mobius, but... It's in the children of Mobius type. Um, maybe Simon Roy by way of Mobius, by way of Eric Bur- uh, uh, Chris Burnham. So it's gorgeous, amazing art. Like I've never seen a book come out from Antarctic that wasn't titled um, Gold Digger that looked this good. It's just the art is just amazing. It's it's a, a virtuoso performance by both of these artists. I'm going to put preview images up on the website, go see them. There's a little bit of backstory to this book. It's it's the only series in recent memory that I paid for all of the issues before I even got my hands on the first. Mm. Like I paid for seven issues of this thing before the first issue even shipped. There was dead uh, delays for whatever reason. I don't even know. But um, thankfully, I got two issues at once. I jumped in. It is absolutely amazing. Dap, it'll make you think heavy metal 1984-85. Yeah, really. Like this Colin Fogelcat, write his name down. I don't want to slight Igor Wolski. Write his name down too. Both of these dudes are not going to be working at Antarctic for very long. They're going to be snatched up by one of the big two. Guaranteed. The, The combat suit that Hazel wears, 
um, yes, it accentuates her female parts, but there's these protuberances that look like rabbit ears that, and she's got this skull type mask that it's just amazing. Look it up or, or go to the website, look at the art. If, if you don't believe me, the proof is in the damn pudding. Look at these images and you'll be like, I need to have this book because all of the interior art is as good as the cover art. Yeah, it's amazing. Off-world, sci-fi double feature, uh, Antarctic Press, very, very much well worth your time. Nice. I'll be honest. Antarctic publishes some poop. Um, <laughs> you know, Gold Digger is the gold standard. They named it for that reason. Uh, Ninja High School by Ben Dunn, great stuff. But sometimes Antarctic, they publish things that are like cash grabs, like the the, oh, yeah. the political tie-in things. Or the, the, the T-shirts that, while not expressly Star Wars, lean heavily towards, you know, anybody who knows the Star Wars universe knows what this T-shirt means. So, I mean, some of the things they publish, mm, spurious at best, but most of their output's really good. This is like one of the best things that Antarctic has published in a long, long time. It makes exciting comics, which is their other anthology, look like dookie. Dookie. Mm. I did. He did say Dookie. How old are you? That's great. I'm 12. That's all right. So there you go. Love it. Um, here's another uh, French item. Also, hey, look at you. Say right? I'm all, all. all well renowned and shit. Um, actually, now there's uh, this was also um, something that was. Uh, Published um, in Spiru. Uh, surprisingly, I was I was very surprised about that. I was, um, this is uh, under um, the top shelf imprint. Another translated book. Originally, initially, um, under the title uh, Crapple, which is uh, which is translated to villain. Um, but in the U.S. here under top shelf, it is called Rascal. It is by uh, Jean-Luc Deglin, who um, Jean-Luc is uh, was born in 1977 in the suburbs of Paris. Um, this was a uh, this was a collection of um, of newspaper comics, which was actually was this was originally serialized uh, in in Spiru. So I mean, he started working. Um, on newspaper strips, but but this is a uh, collection formerly published, originally published in Spiru. But this is a small book. Rascal is a cat, a cat that was um, given to a uh, a young woman who comes to her house. Who um, she comes home after a trip to a mess of mail and a box. One of the letters is from her mother saying that uh, I hope you're doing well. I hope you got back safely. Um, I left a few things in your mailbox since you won't give me a key. Um, but uh, I'm leaving you the neighbor's kitten. I put it in a cardboard box. Take good care of it till I get back. And the letter was postmarked a week ago. Um, and the, uh, the, the cat, apparently the owner, mom's neighbor, died. And so mom just decided to give her this cat. The cat is alive and well. Um and and what follows is pages upon pages of four panel strips of uh, of this woman learning to live 
with this cat. And, and what I appreciated about this book is that in all the cats I've had over the years, um, Rascal is very much uh, reminiscent of of all of them. They've they've all. I, you could say you know, so, some cats are lab cats, some cats are just chill, some cats don't get in the way, some cats make a mess of shit. Um, Rascal's basically just got no home training. This cat has no real sense, but the cat has um, this young woman wrapped around um, her paw, absolutely. But it is, I, I, I really, really like Jean-Luc's art style. It's very, um, it's very newspaper strip. Um where the, the 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 ideas that uh, that come to him when 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 he's coming up with ideas for the strips, uh, the, the 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 way these two, the way this woman and this cat live in the same apartment, um, it it all it, it's all very real. There's really nothing that uh, oh, a cat would never do that, or that's that that's bullshit, or you just go no. It, it these are things that. I've seen happen that I'd understand what happened. Um, Rascal is, is extremely cute, but um, it is just, it, it, Rascal's also a very weird cat, but yeah, it, it was a, uh, it was a very entertaining collection of, um, of strips. I'm glad top shelf was, uh, and I did have, he was able to, to get this uh, to us. Again, it's not something else. I don't know if, um, if the strip was continuing after this, if, um, these uh i'm not sure when it was uh unlike mr invincible when it was um when the work was originally published but uh or, or if it continues to to this day i don't know if um Crapple is still showing up in in magazines but uh but yeah in your tra- i had a lot of fun with this so um in your travels uh rascal by jean-luc deglin nice um, gotta do a few shout outs. Yes, we do. First of all, some uh, some life shout outs to and I, did we shout out Austin last week? Did you guys shout out Austin? I listened to it. No, no, we okay. did not shout out the next generation of EOC listeners. All right, nice. So, so shout out to Austin Ellis and his lovely wife, and Davin Pasek and his lovely wife on the birth of their babies. Yes, healthy, happy, Mazel Tov to y'all. Hope, uh, Hope you enjoy some sleepless nights, but it's worth it. Uh, and then on the uh, patron front, we got two people to shout out. Our good friend, longtime friend, and, and fantastic artist and teacher and musician, uh, Mr. Nick Brokenshire, is uh, is up in this piece now. And our latest and, dare I say, one of the greatest patrons getting the shout out, well-timed, I might add, is a yes. gentleman by the name of Mr. Jeff Bouchard. Yes. On the slacks. <laughs> what so a coincidence. You, How does yeah, that happen? You, yeah. Yes. I'm yes. actually uh part of my reclamation project. I'm actually switching gears and changing jobs and I'm going to have a lot more time oh. for uh conversing and uh Love it. one of the things I wanted to get back to was things that made me happy before and and being on your forums and in conversing about comics I'm, I'm trying to stay off the socials as much as possible with some Don't of the blame, yeah. negativity and i said where can i go for some old-fashioned comic talk and you know it was drilled into my head the slacks and i said okay i gotta do it i've been putting it on way too news. long so. i love it i love it yeah um 
All right, in your travels, I um, well, first of all, I'll just quickly say I'm not going to do it just because people I know that I I left for vacation. I said I would do this. I read the entirety of Morrison's Doom Patrol run, um, and it was glorious, absolutely glorious, and uh, would have been on my top five list that we did earlier had I not read it because uh, it, it was that good. It's incredible. Um, Pace as an artist is incredible. I, I you know, uh, so. I'm glad to be more appreciative of his place in the in the in the uh, in the annals of history as well. But but anyway, um, but my my in travels is uh, is a little different bent, and that is a book um, written by a guy who's still trying to make it. Uh, his name is Robert Kirkman, hmm. uh, and the book is Oblivion Song. Um, I brought I had sitting on my shelf a hardcover, oversized hardcover of the first twelve issues of the run i briefly talked about it when it first first launched with the first or second issue um some time ago but i think they're they're quickly approaching issue 30 so i mean we're talking a couple years now um but yeah i grabbed it and brought it on vacation and also had time to read that and um so it's the first two trades two arcs uh totally cool premise um a decade ago about uh, a decent chunk of people in philly three hundred thousand people disappear but what it turns out to be is that a piece of our universe shunted into a different universe, and uh, that you know it basically swapped. And so, in the square mileage of wherever that chunk of Philly was lost, um, at the same time that universe popped into that chunk of, of Philly, and it was a ransack and kind of like an alien invasion, monsters and such. But there were three hundred thousand American citizens that were stuck in this other dimension, and. Uh, uh, the book picks up 10 years later, and Nathan Cole is our protagonist. He is a scientist that was involved, and I'll leave the, the how he was involved for another day, but he was involved in uh, the the incident that uh, happened a decade before. And um, at this point, he's basically, he and his crew are on life support They financially. they they uh, It's clear that at one point they were a, um, he, had, he had found a way to travel to and from this other dimension. And so for a time with government funding, they were going back to this dimension and rescuing as many people as they could each day. But at this point, it's clear that um, they've lost their funding uh, because they, they basically haven't really gotten anybody new home in a long time. It's kind of the wells run dry. So the government said, I'm just not sure it's worth – there may be a few people left left worth saving, but but we just – the ends don't justify the means, right? So, so but, but Nathan and his crew obviously disagree, and one of the reasons – He's so hell bent on not giving up the rescue missions is that his brother was lost in uh, in the shunting and uh, into oblivion. They call it oblivion. Um, so he he keeps going back to try and find his brother. And um, I don't think it's too spoilery, but his brother um, Edward is there, but he's there of his own volition. Uh, I guess Edward was was pretty much a big time loser in our world. He. Um, Really couldn't hold a job. He had minor run-ins with the law. He was a gambler. Just didn't have a lot going for him. And so he found happiness in this oblivion by essentially becoming the leader of a tribe of people that did stay over there and uh, are, are, in essence, thriving. Even though it's filled with monsters and it's dangerous, they have found a way to make it work for them. And and it's uh, not dissimilar, I guess, to in that vein, like The Walking Dead when they're at peace. But uh, he's very happy there. He's fallen in love with the – he's found the love of his life. Um, and, uh, and, and Nathan's like, he can't accept that. Like he just cannot accept that 
this place that he's been rescuing, this hell that he's been rescuing people from for a decade, um, that his brother would not only be there after all these years of almost giving up hope, but that he wouldn't want to come home. And uh, and then the, it goes from there. I mean, um, government gets back involved, shenanigans happen, people are shunted back and forth for different reasons. Um, it's drawn by a, an, an Italian artist uh, named Lorenzo De Felici. Um, really, really clean style, a little cartoony, not like David Rubin cartoony that would make me fall in love with it. Little more straight anatomy than that, but he does a he does a, a really good job, I think, with the with the creatures and and making them oversized, and, and he does a good decent job with the kaiju for sure. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't put De Felici up there with uh, with some of the other artists that Kirkman has been tied to. He's totally fine again, but it's it's not like jaw dropping, you know, like like some of his other pairings have been. Um, but I dug it, you know, I dug it. I I I think the book, for whatever reason, hasn't gotten much attention. Um, I don't know if it's like Kirkman overload or Kirkman burnout. Um, like with many of his properties, it is being made into a show. Uh, oh no, a movie. Sorry, a movie. Um, I think for Netflix. But uh, yeah, so far so good. I mean, I guess I'm halfway. Well, I'm. I'm two fifths of the way through the series now, and so I'm going to keep reading it. I'll probably get the next hardcover. Um, I dig the premise for sure. Like, I, you know, usually I'm so into post-apocalyptic settings, and generally speaking, it's always like, how do I escape? Or if I do survive, it's pretty hard to survive. And so it's, I like the idea of flipping that and saying, what if there's people that like hated their life in our world, and and so yeah, it's different, but it's better for them, and I like that concept. So I'm gonna keep with it, All Mr. Right. Bouchard. Yeah. You're up. So, thanks. I wanted to say thank you guys for stuff for having me on. I, uh, I appreciate thank you. It. And uh, also, just you know, we're we're at a time where uh, so many people are quick to to divide, tear down, cancel, and and you guys are out all about cultivating and and creating and putting out this podcast. And I just wanted to thank you for for that. Uh, I know you don't see the impact, but. You know, just the normalcy of having the podcast out there, recommendations, sitting down with a book. Uh, you know, I, I sit down with a, a book called Jim Curious. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, A Voyage to the Heart of the Sea. It's a 3D book that I yeah. think Vince maybe recommended years ago. Yep. And my daughter and I put those 3D glasses on and we giggle and she loves it. And I sit here and I go, this is this is from 11 o'clock comics. This moment, you know, like it's just one of those things that brings a lot of joy to me and, and is a positive impact. And I want you guys to know that, you know, you're, you're at a time where it's tough to, to find them. You're, you're sending good vibes out to the universe. And I want to support that and thank you for that any way that I can. So uh, that's what I wanted to start off with as a, as a thank you. And um, for my um, in your travels, I am going to recommend this, this uh, writer's name has come up several times. Uh, Hickman. It's his new book. Yeah, East to West wound down and uh, decorum is this new book with mike huddleston um first three issues are out in true hickman fashion i need to start off by saying i'm not exactly sure what the hell's going on in the book but it's (laughs) it's amazing you know i sit here and struggle to come up with a unique password and hickman just throws out a whole new universe when he drops the last one and uh it's amazing i mean but to me i mean 
the the universe he's building is one thing, but what Huddleston is doing with the art, mm. I don't even know if I can describe. I mean, he's changing art styles on the page between what I believe is digital painting to like rough sketches, almost like thumbnails to, again, I don't, I'm not fully aware of the technique or how to describe it, but almost like a ink wash. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's a sight to behold. And I'm not exactly sure the rhyme or reason as to how we switching it, but there are just some amazing full page uh, spreads and, you know, interspersed with typical Hickman, you know, prose, you got maps, <laughs> you know, you have, you know, everything going on here. Uh, you know, there's a flying egg going through the universe. There's a giant praying mantis serving tea to an assassin. If you don't like that, I, I don't think you like comics. So it's just really amazing. Uh, good stuff. It, again, three issues in and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in for the ride. Uh, Hickman has not disappointed, uh, at least to me. And I'm looking forward to seeing where this story is going. Awesome. It's jaw-droppingly beautiful. It really is yeah. gorgeous. I just I'm waiting for a collection. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I agree with what you're saying, Jeff. It's it's. Uh, Hickman's not. He's not making it easy on us with these first few issues. Like he's like, yeah. you got to be in for the whole thing, y'all. If you want to pay off, you got it. Because like it's it's very very. Uh, he he's yeah he's not he's not leading the horse to water. He's making us sort of take it all in and and he'll I'm sure we'll have a lot of aha moments as the series goes on. You know, I just want to say, I would love to strangle the person that invented the WebP file format because mm. I'm trying to save uh, images from decorum for people mm-hmm. to see, and all of them are coming up WebP. Uh, and WebP. you can't, yeah, you can't just save those. At least I haven't figured it out. If mm-hmm. anybody knows how to save them, let me know. Mm. But I got some preview images for the people at home. Nice. And by the way, uh, as as Vince was very unkindly telling me offline, uh, it's Richard Case. Richard Pace, <laughs> coming artist who works with Mark Russell. Pace Case, you know what I mean. You all knew what I meant, you fucks. Right. Wow. You. Oh, that's hateful. Like, you'd like right, you'd Vince. like to case Vince's face. That's not. That's fun right. Yeah, I would. My goodness. All right, Jeff, you want to talk football real quick since you're a football guy? <laughs> All right, we out. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> nah, we're done. <laughs> How much time we got? None. All the time. Zero. I said, I said bonus content that, you know, the time before. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time. We want to be- say a big thank you to Jeff Bouchard. You would never think this guy has never appeared on 11 O'Clock Comics before. Yeah, he's our man. He's family now. That's right. Yes. It's just, he, you just, like, like you just all oiled in. up and lubed. You just, you just in. Yeah. slid right in. Uh, good job. You did great. And I uh, can't wait till the next time you come on. That's right. Uh, in the meantime, you know the drill. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Patreon.com. Say goodnight. You're going to get a little bit of music tonight because I have four of them. Hmm. That's not music. That's bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> David. Yeah, that was some nonsense. I know. That really was. That was some... night. Some Sun Ra shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Sun Ra. It doesn't, doesn't play to a wide audience. Sorry. Ah, David. Nice. 
Come back next time. We'll be here. We love you so much. Mm-hmm. Jeff, take us out. Say goodnight. Good night. Good night.